been no biblical prophet to Ham has caught our attention and we don't want to drift away from that. But we want to just look at uh, well, focusing on the Sabbath and the call to the Caribbean and the call to, uh, to Ham and the Canaanites or Hamites and Canaanites uh, and the power of the Sabbath day is that we want to look at the subject matter simply for purposes uh, called the, the Lord uh, slash word. Um, John says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became flesh in John 14 and dwelt among us. God is his word. Um, and the similarity in the English language of the spelling of the word of the, the word Lord, L-O-R-D, and the word word, W-O-R-D, uh, and similarities in their spelling, uh, both with four characters. So we'll talk more about that. That's not what we want to focus on. That's a theological lesson for another time to structure us in a little bit of etymology or at least the, some words regarding the biblical powers that are associated with them. But what I'd like to do, first of all, I want, uh, let it be said that because we received a gift, of a bag of gold this week, and one particular 18-carat gold bracelet, I just want to say to the sender, thank you for sending that, and I want you to know it's been received and logged in appropriately as we continue our prayers for the uh, restoration of our property. But as well, I want um, to prepare us to be able to go as into battle against, to take the land. The, uh, when Joshua took over the responsibilities of Moses and led the children of Israel into the promised land, the first city they encountered was Jericho. It was a city that was great and walled up and very powerful. And he was able to take that city down with all of the persons that were necessary, including children, to take down the first city. God weaponized the entire group. I believe that somebody's supposed to be up here uh, and should come in on time as well. Let's say that. Um, but God weaponized the entire group, not just the men, but the women and children as well. Is that right? And so what we want to do is to help you to understand why it's important that we weaponize our families. Either they're with us or they're not. That when Jericho went down, little babies were in the arms of their mothers when they gave the shout. I need you to understand, it's important that we weaponize everybody or we distinguish those that are not with us. That they don't weaken us. Either, our, either we weaponize our families or they weaken us. And when they went into battle, everybody went into battle and Jericho went down. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand that we get that message down in the Caribbean. As we weaponize all of our families and all of our uh, potential, that all will be weaponized. It's very important. And the other is, is that when Joshua went in, of course, the land was Canaan land. The name was changed from Canaan land to Israel. It was once known as Beulah land, but this is about, and the way that we weaponize with a weapon that cannot be defeated, the way we weaponize is with the Sabbath day. 
See, the Sabbath just is for, for soldiers. The Sabbath isn't just for the elderly. The Sabbath isn't just for some men. The Sabbath is for everybody. And when we use the Sabbath and everybody adheres to the Sabbath, then we weaponize the children. We weaponize the young people. We weaponize the men. We weaponize. The Sabbath gives us the power to weaponize everybody. And anybody who's not weaponized is set for the purpose of weakening you. And Joshua said that when we march around the city of Jericho, which is a big city, I imagine the city of Jericho was something on the order of the Great Pyramid of Giza, except people lived in it. But he said in order to take it down, we must weaponize everybody. And the weapon that the children and the men and the old people had was on the seventh day, on the seventh march, they were all together shout. They all had a weapon. They all had a word in their mouth. They all had a word in their mouth. Now understand as we go forward that the day has come where I cannot allow you to be weakened. Either you're going to weaponize or you're going to weaken. And if you're not going to weaponize everybody of your household, then I can't let you weaken this household. Amen? I mean, I'm not a mean preacher, right? Is that right? Then that's, that's online as well. That's for all of y'all out there. Uh, Christine, that's dipped down in North Carolina, sent me a note the other day. Christine said that her husband was in disagreement with some of the things I said about Billy Graham. But later on, he's come on board. That was, that was a couple of weeks ago. She has weaponized her house. She has weaponized her husband. Please don't see, don't let them tell you that I'm mean spirit of dividing families. But you understand, I can't let you weaken the house if you're not willing to weaponize everybody. Amen? Amen. No children stayed home when they took down Jericho. All right, we'll come back to that. And so we're approaching now the end of the fast. It's been a great fast. It's been a tremendous time. And uh, in this fast that we've had, the 40 days, as it comes to an end, uh, some things I want to say, but I just want to point up that as well as a result of our having traveled um, down to Haiti, we've been able to come up with several revelations that God has just blessed us with. Um, now, when we realize the, that's the, the, when we weaponize our families with the Sabbath, when we weaponize using the Sabbath, how great that weapon is, that we come to terms with the understanding that, well, the Sabbath, which is technically, technically the seventh day, the day that God rested, that in, in a series, and then we've come to realize that the culmination of all things in creation as we understand it happens also in a Sabbath of series, a series of Sabbaths. For instance, you remember I told you that in the book of Revelation, it is very easy to understand Revelation once you apply the mathematical equation that everything comes in the forms of sevens, starting with the seven churches of Asia Minor and the seven seals on the book that was, that was not to be opened by anyone. The seven trumpets, the seven vows, the seven thunders that once you put together the category of all the sevens, 
Then you understand in this segment of sevens, this takes place. In that segment of sevens, that takes place. And we're now able to put them together. And it's no longer a great mystery. But the mystery is now revealed through the process of the sevens. But the other revelation out of that is that the book of Revelation, which is a series of sevens, culminates all things on earth. And with the beginning and the descending of the new heaven, of uh, the new Jerusalem. But you will note that what God does in the book of Revelation with the series of sevens in the category, making it very easy, even a child can understand Revelation once you break it down into the sevens. That what God does is that at creation, he rested on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath day, which you want to weaponize your family with. You want to weaponize your life with. But you'll notice that the conclusion of creation, there was a series also of sevens where God rested. No, I said at the conclusion of creation, it concluded in a series of sevens. There were sevens to begin one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of creation. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the ending of creation is what I'm saying. It is unseemly that you would think I'm a bad fella if I say to you, you can't be online or you can't sit if you refuse to weaponize your family. You're against the word of God. It would be unseemly if I say to the churches of the Caribbean, to the churches of America, to the churches of Africa, that you must weaponize. You should not be Sunday worshiper. You should not let Japheth tell you that lie. He lied to you. You cannot have power if you're not using the right weapon. Every church in America and every place else that's going to be a part of this process must weaponize. I'm not a mean-spirited person. and I'm not going to let the devil get away with that. We must weaponize. We must go back to the, using the weapon that God gave. The weapon that God gave is the Sabbath day. It's a weapon. And we must weaponize. The Sunday is, Sunday is not, it's a day that the devil lied and weakened all of you. We must weaponize. So stand with me. And of course, many will accuse me and they will fight like holy hell, like that Bishop John Bryant of the African, that swine dancer of the African Methodist Episcopal Church and others we want to keep Sunday because they want to keep power with the devil. But no, we won't give power back. We want to weaponize. Our weapon is the Sabbath day. It's the weapon God used in the beginning. It's the weapon that God used in the end. We must come to understand that and get with it. You don't do anybody any favor by keeping your church worshiping on Sunday. You don't do anybody a favor except the devil if you refuse to weaponize your house. And I'm less than God's servant if I know this information, let I, yet I let you sit without weaponizing your house. Amen. Stand up and give the Lord a round of applause. Give the Lord a round of applause. Praise the Lord. No, Joshua. Joshua said, we're going to weaponize the whole troop, including the children. And they marched. How many days did they march? Was it three days? And what day did they march? They gave, there was a seventh day 
Oh, come on now, talk to me now, talk to me. It was the seventh day that the weapon was used. Now, come on, you're not going to go out there and be ignorant and foolish and full of the devil all your life and refuse to weaponize your home, refuse to weaponize your life, refuse to weaponize your church. It was the seventh day. And seven times on the seventh day. And the victory came, is that right? Don't you want the victory? Don't you want the power? Well, then we got to weaponize. It's about the Sabbath day, everybody. We got to weaponize with the Sabbath. Pray for me. Amen. Uh, you may take your seats. Now, we're coming back to that. I'm not through with that. But I do want to say this. That as we come to the end of the, the fast, that during this 40 days, God has sent out, uh, I've got a, as, as I've said, a mouthful of blessings. I just bless you. Of healings, if you have not been healed, there have been many, many mighty healings throughout these 40 days. And I'll say this to you, that if you, the only reason why you're a member of this church, you're a member online, you're a member in Arizona, you're a member in Australia, you're a member of this church. If you have not been healed in the 40 days, it hasn't ended yet, it'll end tomorrow. If you have not been healed, then when your healing does come, and it will come, it will be for the glory of God, not just for your... In other words, there was a man in the Gospel of John chapter 9. The Bible said he was born blind from his mother's birth. And the disciples asked, who sinned? And Jesus said, nobody. But he is put here, born blind for your glory so you can see me open blind eyes. The same thing with Lazarus we taught a few days ago. If you have not receive your healing in these 40 days, you will be healed so that it be on record for the glory of God, that the world will see the power of God when your healing does come. I said, when your healing does come, it shall be for the glory of God. As was Lazarus, as was with the man born blind. The other thing is, is that we will not carry any sicknesses into the 1,000-year reign of peace. Amen. Amen? We will not carry any sicknesses or disease. So we got to get rid of all that. We got to leave all that in the tribulation. Got to leave our sicknesses. Got to leave our poverty. Got to leave our rebellion. Got to leave all that in the land of tribulation. And we will walk in. We will not walk in sick. Amen. We'll carry no sicknesses into the new land. Now, I'll tell you this, that Elizabeth and I, stand up Elizabeth, come over here. <laughs> uh, that Elizabeth and I, that uh, it is our job to be the example of what the 1,000-year reign of peace should look like. Amen. Young looking. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Never... 
never aging, only looking better and stronger and healthier. As a, now, this is what we're going to look like for 1,000 years, but this is the example set for you to look the same way for 1,000 years as well. Just never getting older. Praise, praise the Lord. And never age. Praise God. No. No, we're not going to look like Greyhead and Methuselah. No, we're going to look just like we're looking right now for the next 1,000 years. But this is the picture that ought to happen on the faces of every last one of you. When you walk into the 1,000 year reign, you're going to go in at a certain look and stay that way for 1,000 years. And glory to God and hallelujah, go right there. Hallelujah. All right, take this. Go ahead, take it, sir. So now you remember, take your seat, you remember online, Australia, Europe, India, wherever you are, China. Please hear these words. We must weaponize using the Sabbath. Now here, the Lord told me to tell y'all this. That don't trust any preacher that doesn't trust the Sabbath. If he... Well, first of all, what I just told you about the seven-day beginning, the seven sevens that ends, and the seven-day march, and the weapon that we have, the one weapon that we have above every weapon is the Sabbath and the word Lord, the Lord word. If a preacher doesn't know that, then he doesn't know enough to lead you. Now, you want somebody that you're going to give your tithes and offerings to and going to trust the, the nurturing of your soul to somebody that knows something about the Lord. Now you're going to give your time, you're going to sit down and allow your soul to be nurtured by somebody who knows the word. You're not going to sit up in a church where the preacher's ignorant of the word or in rebellion to the word. If he's ignorant of the word, how can he help you? And if he doesn't trust the Sabbath, I would be concerned about anything else he says. If he doesn't trust the Sabbath to keep that holy, what else is he not keeping holy? I mean, think about it for just a second. You know, he can say, well, Paul said it doesn't matter what day we worship on. Yeah, he did. But he didn't say, uh, Paul didn't go on to say, but you don't have to keep the Sabbath. He didn't say that. So the preacher who makes excuses because he doesn't want to move to weaponize his life and the church with the Sabbath, I would wonder, well, why not? I mean, what's, what's with him? If he doesn't want to honor the Sabbath, then there must be something wrong with him. What's he got against it? <laughs> he got something against the Sabbath day? He got something against the ultimate power of God? He, you know, he got something against doing what, the only thing we can do that God did, the only thing that we can do that God did, we can't create a tree, we can plant a seed, but we can't create nothing. The only thing that we can do that God did is rest on the Sabbath, and he's against that. I don't know why I stood up in the church with a preacher that's against the Sabbath. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, what's his reason? And even, you know, Paul said any day, every time you hear an excuse of something you don't have to do, but that Paul never said you didn't have to do it. He said it doesn't matter if you worship on Wednesday, but he said it did not say you cannot not worship on Saturday or the Sabbath. 
So I would, I would be a little concerned about a preacher who will go for any excuse to stay away from doing what God's word says. Amen. I mean, if we all here fasting, right? We all in the covenant of fasting, right? 40 days. And uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you walk into church and happen to come up to my, my study and I'm drinking a glass of ice water. You say, wait a minute. <laughs> Ain't 7 o'clock yet. And I say, the Lord said, take medication. And my water is medication. No, I didn't say that. I'm just making an excuse. Wouldn't that represent a, a sense of weakness? I mean, I mean, so the preacher doesn't worship on Sabbath. You got to tell you, why? Well, for the most part right now, he hasn't heard. He don't know. The Japheth boy, who was a big liar, lied to him. Catholics lied to him. And told him it's okay. I'm telling you now it ain't okay. So don't trust anyone that does not believe or trust the Sabbath day. Don't trust them. I, I think that we are we're Sabbath worshipers. And it is not just a command that we worship on the Sabbath day. It is the word of God. It's, the, it's, it's what God did. I mean, the one thing that we can do that God did, God's worship, we can do it too. We can't create, we can't put the sun in the sky, we can't make the moon, but we can do what God did and we can do it all together. Amen. Imagine this, I, you know, I would think that, that God still keeps the Sabbath, right? Yes. In heaven, God still keeps it. Right now, God's on sabbatical, right now. That God keeps the Sabbath, right? I mean, that God don't break his own law, right? I mean, God who sits on the throne right now is resting because it's a Sabbath day, right? Amen. And then you got these fools going to go to the Baptist church tomorrow. They're going to work while God is resting, and then they're going to rest. They're going to worship while God, I mean, I mean, what do you think God think about? God said, why can't you do it the day I do it? what's going on in the mind of a preacher and a church and an organization that won't do it the day God does it because that's the day that God does it. You got to wonder. Oh, they've been lied to. Okay, well, we can understand that. Now they got the truth. So it's not just a command. It's an act that, 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 that glorifies God. You know, Mother One, you know, we, we were Sunday worship. I always knew this about how Christ came. We are opening up the doors of restoration and salvation, uh, restoration and restoration in general to people who have been estranged from our ministry for a while. Either you walked out or you were asked to leave or you would excommunicated. Or whatever may be the, per, the reason why we, I was once your pastor and now I am not. And, and through the mercy of Almighty God, we are now during this Holy Week season, uh, we're given an, ex, an, an invitation worldwide, locally and worldwide. If you wish to be restored to the ministry, uh, then make that application known. Either do it if you're online and can't get and sit in the audience, then do it online. 
or if you are local and you want to come and sit and, and, and do it in the sanctuary. But while this is not certainly a, uh, a mean-spirited thing, it is simply to separate people that are trolls because we've got a lot of people that troll us who will just you know, jerk us around by saying one thing online, but they really don't mean it because they're not, not interested in the ministry at all. And, and, and then, of course, there will be those who don't believe that their separation or excommunication from the ministry was right or just, so they don't feel that they have any need to adjust men. So when they come back, they'll come back with the same spirit. So we're, we're, we're asking you to repent of the, ring, of the wrong that you've done, to do it truthfully and honestly, and, and that we will receive you through the process of repentance. You know, John the baptizer told the Pharisees to bring fruits, meat for repentance. And when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, or Zacchaeus' house, but if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, you know how you say it, uh, and, and Zacchaeus repented and said, I'm going to give uh, uh, half of my goods to anybody I've taken from, and on and on and on. I think something on that order that he went. So it would be required that you repent because you just can't walk back in and and say that we were wrong and that you were right. Then that's going to create more trouble for everybody. You get the idea. But the main thing here is that the door is open. And we're going to keep the door open until the resurrection service on this coming Sunday. You refer to it as Easter. And after that, we'll, you know, we'll figure if you did, if you did, nobody who if you didn't come by then, then you're not interested in coming. So we're not going to leave the door open to deal prayerfully because we got people already praying now. We got prayer warriors praying for people to get their act together. We're going to move on to other things once this Easter or resurrection worship service is over. Amen. Amen. My friends, I want to appeal to you to be a part of the support, the financial and loving and prayerful support of the Outlaw Church, its school, its breakfast feeding program to children, its homeless shelter, its soup kitchen, its ministry of the Manning Report and Pulpit of Power. I want to ask you to, first of all, open up your heart uh, and to pray for us. That's the first thing. Before you open your purse, open your heart uh, and, and, and pray for us. And if you open your heart, uh, God will show you the work that we do. We need your financial and prayerful support. Uh, shortly, we're going to be talking about a woman named Mother Cooper who gives to the church. And someone reported, uh, have said to me over the years I've been a pastor, that I suppose there's times when people don't have anything to give. That's a lie. Everybody's got something to give. Jesus gave the example of the widow who walked into the synagogue one day, and she only had two mites, and she was a widow and had no further income, no place of getting anything, and she gave what she had to the church. No, everybody's got something to give. A lot of people, say when they say we don't have anything to give, they really what they're doing is that they're saying you're not a priority. We're going to go and we're going to go out to Golden Corral. We're going to go out and do some things with our grandchildren, our children, whatever, but we ain't going to give to you. That's low priority. We'll, we don't have anything <clears throat> We don't have anything to give to you. But I want to ask those of you who will listen, because I want to swat away the people that get online and try to contradict what we say. They, 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 they have it to give. They just don't want to give it. They don't have it to give here. And I understand that. But we need two RVs, recreation vehicles. We need one uh, for our expanded classrooms for our high school students, uh, and that can be used for field trips and can be used for science fairs 
and a number of other things traveling around New York City, New Jersey, and Connecticut during the process of education, also visiting college campuses and going on day trips and outings for our high school and our elementary students and RV. Uh, we need that for our continued education travels. And uh, so we're praying that someone will donate an RV to us for that purpose. And then, of course, we need a second RV to keep parked at our church on our premises uh, that we can pretty much strip down. Uh, and we'll take an older one for this purpose that can be stripped down and made into a science lab. At present, we don't have a science lab in our building. Uh, city state will not permit it because you got to have, you know, Bunsen burners and a whole lot of chemistries and chemicals and that kinds of a thing. And so we would like to convert an RV into a science lab where we can do scientific research. So we need to. Uh, and so we're asking, is there a heart out there of people who will give that maybe you have one, you're not using it anymore and you want to donate it to the church. And of course, we'll give you a tax write-off for the purpose of process of doing that. Um, and we're asking you to do not let the naysayers, don't let people talk about, well, I would give to him, but he wears a fancy suit. What do you want me to do, come before you naked? And besides, you know, many times it's not the suit that looks good, and you might get a little offended by it, but the man makes the suit look good. I've seen a lot of people put on fancy suit, and they look like a, they just called, called out of a, a dog shelter. But that having been said, don't look at the outward appearance of me. Look at my heart. Look at my heart. If you look at my heart, you will see that my heart is in the right place. I got a lot of children I'm responsible for. I feed them every morning. You know, we fed over one million meals. That's the absolute truth. I'm not exaggerating. We have fed over one million meals, and our meals are not ready-to-eat meals prepared by the city of New York, frozen and warmed over in some sort of uh, convection oven or what microwave, and we throw them at people. No, these are meals that are made from scratch. Our waffles are made from scratch. Our eggs are made from scratch. Our grits are made from scratch. Our, everything we do is made from scratch. Over one million meals. No, we do a great work here in the community. And then finally, those of you who understand, you know, set aside. Don't, don't, don't deprioritize this ministry because you could give something. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're spending a lot of things that you really don't have to spend. You're probably, you know, buying things even at restaurants that you don't have to buy. And you Maybe you're purchasing things that you're only going to use or wear once. And you could, you know, you could give and you could tithe. And by doing that, you're going to be increased and blessed. So don't let the naysayers that come online and say something negative about this ministry. We're doing a great work for the Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus. And it costs a lot to keep the lights and the cameras rolling in the computer. You know, we're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week we're running. And most of the time it's live. This does not come cheap. And you know it doesn't. So go ahead now. And then we're going to talk to you more about giving. But two RVs we need, the biggest ones you can get for the process of our schools. And then, of course, we need to be able to continue to keep those meals going down in the breakfast program where we're feeding all those beautiful but hungry children. All right, everybody, I'm James Ibn Manning. I'm Lord Servant, and you know how to give. Go to our website and join our ministry. 
uh, and do, bring your tithes and your offerings. I tell you what, do seven weeks of tithes and see if you are not better increased. If God doesn't restore unto you seven times what you have given in tithes and offering, if that way you're not to listen to me anymore. If God does not restore to you seven times what you tithed to the ministry or given to the ministry after seven weeks of giving faithfully without fail, without cheating, without lying and with a cheerful heart. You do those things, and if, if God doesn't restore, if God doesn't keep his honor, his word by opening up the windows of, the, or his, windows of his storehouse and pouring you out a blessing so much so that you won't have room enough to receive it, you don't have to ever have to listen to me anymore. You don't ever have to deal with me anymore because everything else I would say would be a lie. Now go ahead and start. Join the ministry, tithe, do it, and watch God bless. This church, they worry about a Sunday. I didn't start, I wasn't the founder of this church. Somebody else, Pastor Stanley, did that. So I had to ease into teaching all about the Sabbath. So we, for seven years, we talked about it. Then on seven years, we did it. When we became Sabbath worshipers, shortly thereafter, we were able to pay off our mortgage on this building. I think since we become Sabbath worshipers, we have never missed an opportunity to meet our payroll obligations. Since we have become Sabbath worshipers, after we became Sabbath worshipers, we were able to take our first world classroom trip to China, to Beijing, to Shanghai, and to Hangzhou. What I pointed up is that once we became Sabbath worshippers, God released the financial blessings to us. Once we became Sabbath worshippers, God released to us the power, the vision to clean the courtyard, to redo the sanctuary. I'm saying that when we became Sabbath worshippers, there was a release of power into our ministry as a result of, we'd probably still be paying a mortgage right now. Were we not Sabbath worshippers? I'm just simply trying to, and that'll work for everybody. So we must weaponize with the power of the Sabbath. And so it's very important that we understand that he who doesn't trust the Sabbath and is looking for an excuse. Why are, you, why are you going with the excuse rather than going with the truth? Well, we, it, God doesn't care as long as our heart's in the right place. Then, then why did he tell you? Why does he do it then? Why does God do it? Why does God keep the Sabbath if nobody cares? I mean, it's just ridiculous. All right, I've said all that because I want to say something else. I told y'all I was going to talk about tribulation Trump, so let me get that in. Then I'll come back to this, our weaponizing ourselves here. Um, the, um, the, you know, we're looking around now at what's happening with tribulation Trump, Japheth's boy, right? And um, a number of people are wondering, well, what is it that, that Vladimir Putin and the rest of them got on him. What is it that they got on him? And, they, you know, because he won't speak a word. He won't say nothing. He's just quiet as a church mouth, cussing everybody else out, giving everybody a name, everybody. I mean, I mean, everybody. He's tweeting all over the place like a little Tweety Pie bird. But when it comes to Russia or Vladimir Putin, not a word. Everybody done told them what Russia's done. Everybody done told them they had meddling in our election. Everybody done told them that the spies, and everybody done told them. Everybody done told them, and uh, they told me they're getting ready to do it. They're still doing it again. And not a word from our commander in chief. So if it were what? 
Now, the other thing is that we got this uh, Stormy Daniels girl. What's her name, Stormy? I think her name is Clifford or something right there. She changed it to movie star name. And, and then you got this other McDougal girl, right? Uh, he hasn't said a lot about them either. And they're all over the place, all over the television. You can't turn on the television now. I mean, my God. You can't even go to the weather channel. They got Stormy Daniels doing the weather, I swear. I said, when did Stormy Daniels become a weather girl on the weather channel? Lord have mercy. Help us, Jesus. But he won't say a word. So I figure, well, you know, I may not be the smartest guy in the world, you know, and a lot of people online, especially Japheth people, right? These rednecks from down there in redneck territory. Well, you leave our prayer. You need to pray for our prayer. You, you, you need to pray for our prayer. He's our prayer. He's the best prayer that we ever had. These Japheth people, right? Got tobacco in their mouth and everything. Coke, snuff. There ain't no been no evidence of collusion. Trump is a good man, no evidence of collusion. And then I said, well, you know, I said, well, you know, I've been around the barn a few times, and I, I know what a cocaine uh, addict looks like. Uh, Sister Sacrifice Hunley said she know what one looked like, too, because she used to be one. I was looking at her there, I was looking at her nose, I I was trying to see if she got any hair on her nose because to the honey. I said, Pastor, you don't trust your members? I don't trust us, the honey. I was just checking everything out. Because I know she used to be a big time coke. That woman used to snort more coke. <laughs> She's sitting up in that right now. Getting ready to preach in a few days. What was I talking about? So, 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 so I said, I said, Trump, I, Trump looks like he's a cocaine addict. He's like cocaine. He's a, you know, here they come again down in redneck territory. All the state of Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, they all rose up with one accord and flooded my Facebook page. Uh, he ain't never, he don't use no cocaine. He don't even drink alcohol. I heard he don't even drink coffee. He don't drink alcohol. Well, just because you don't drink alcohol don't mean you don't do coke. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what one thing got to do with the other? But, but, you know, okay, all right. So here, the deal is this, is that we all know that it isn't the information about sex or sexual encounters of an approved kind that Trump is worried about Vladimir spilling the beans on. In fact, Christopher Steele already told us in the dossier about him over there with them Russian girls and what them Russian girls were doing over there on them silk sheets. <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say is that everybody knows the boys into a whole lot of sex with a whole lot of women. We all know that. So it can't be that that Vladimir Putin is holding out the fact that he's had sex with some Russian We already know that. I, I mean, so it must be something else. Not only that, 
But the Southern Baptists, all the redneck religion, all those steeple churches down there in redneck territory have already said, well, we don't care that he has sex. We knew that when we voted for him. So then what's the big deal? What's he afraid of? It ain't the fact they're going to reveal sex. It's the fact that they got that boy doing cocaine, running lines up and down the coffee tables of, over there in Russia. That's what he doesn't want the world to know. Not only that, but his crooked criminal financial dealing. That's why that boy is quiet as a church mouth. Stand up and say, yeah, Pastor Manning, go ahead and preach it. Pray, go ahead and preach it. Go ahead and preach it, Pastor Manning. That's what's wrong with that boy. That's what's wrong with him. And so we need to be mindful. Uh, you can take your seats. He's a cokehead. Plus his criminal financial money laundering drug dealing activities is what. He ain't scared of nobody finding out about him having sex. That boy ain't scared of that. Everybody knows he, they're all over. They're going to be on six, 60 minutes tomorrow night. He ain't worried about that. What he worried about you know what he worried about. But I here come to tell you, you know, you got to be very careful. Billy Graham died the other day, right? Thank God. But imagine this. That the legacy, the last prophecy that he left us was that Tribulation Trump was a good man. <laughs> he left us with? With an endorsement of Trump. Laid his hands on him. And now he's dead. Ding dong. Billy Graham is dead. I mean, we got to remember him for them crusades. Remember him for giving us this demon. If you don't kiss, you don't look out like y'all didn't get that right away. But can I, can I, can I, can I share something with y'all? I want to, um, Tribulation Trump is going to fall. America is going to collapse. Everybody's not weaponized. I told y'all before, when y'all listened to the lesson, again, I'm, I'm not a mean fellow. But I will protect the, the flock. We have to weaponize. And our weapon is the Sabbath day. You know, we, we, we got to call up everybody and tell them, listen, you know, you got to go to Sabbath. You got to, we can't. We can't have a separation here. We got to weaponize our homes. We can't have Sunday and Sabbath worship going on in our homes. It's confusion. We got to talk to our parents and talk to our relatives and, and plead with them and tell them, just, just listen to what Pastor Manning is saying. He ain't talking about himself. He's talking about the Sabbath. He ain't talking about the Sabbath. He's talking about what God said. That we must weaponize and, and try to get them to come on board. Try to pray for them that they'll that they're, that they're come on board. But we have to weaponize. Because pray that your flight be not in winter and nor that you are a Sabbath breaker when the tribulation hits. And America is getting ready to collapse. Everybody knows you can feel it in your bones. It's coming. It's coming. Trump is collapsing. Isn't it? Nobody around him now. All his friends from years ago, they're all gone. And uh, everybody in the cabinet, they, when they went into the presidency, they said they had a great cabinet. They're all gone. He's firing people left and right. 
There's nobody with them now. He walks outside, looks out, they don't know who, who is these people. Who, they don't, nobody, I don't, nobody knows them. Because nobody wants to work with them. I mean, the whole process is getting ready to crumble. Stock market, wavering and weaving and bobbing. Tariffs everywhere. You know, that's just the craziest thing I've heard of in my life. Trump the other day said they're going to snap tariffs on China. You know, you do know that we are, what's it, four, five trillion dollars in debt? You do know that, right? No, we're in debt by the trillion, the five trillion dollars. You do know that. Well, you know who holds that debt? China. That's like going up to the Chase Bank that you just got your auto loan from and going up to the manager of the bank and bumping, duck, dropping a bucket of dung on him. How do you think he's going to feel about that? I mean, does it make sense to try to figure out what on earth is going on? You're going to dump tariff? You're going to make China mad? <laughs> The poor, they said they ain't going to give you no more money and they want the money that you owe them. Amen. People will be mortgaging their gold teeth to try to pay China back if they ever decide they want their money. But now here, so we, we're headed for some very de desperate times. I want to I, I read some verses to you out of the book of Nahum. Now, it's a book that's hard to find in the Bible. You know it is, right? I think it's right between Micah and somebody else. I don't know who. It's in the Old Testament, Nahum. Yeah, it's between Micah and Habakkuk. Can y'all find it? Now, Mr. Engineer, you can put it up every now and then, some of the verses up. You don't have to put them all up. Uh, I want people to look at my face while I'm reading this. Now, here. You know, I'm, I, I did my study over at Union Seminary, right? I call it Union <laughs> Cemetery. <laughs> so they taught me a little bit of theology. But one of the things I'm doing is basically on research, right? They force you to research. They don't force you to say Jesus is Lord. They don't force you to talk in tongues, but they force you to research. And one of the things I discovered the first year I was at Union is that I, I think we're all given the plagiarizer every now and then. Anybody want plagiarizer? plagiarizer? <laughs> my first year there, I'd read something somebody else wrote, and I hand the paper and I put it on my paper. <laughs> but when the professor called me up and said, he said, listen, I don't read every book that this author ever wrote. <laughs> and you're not him. <laughs> so I cut that out, right? So then I had to really do some stay up late at night. Some mornings I didn't sleep at the night, so I sleep at all. Because I got to research, right? Because I couldn't plagiarize no more. I'm pretty good at it too, by the way. So I thought I was. Anyway. The matter here is that I'm trying to discover since Nahum came a book or so after Jonah that did is what Nahum is preaching in his three chapters what Jonah preached on his three days. And I don't know against Nineveh. All I know is that Nineveh got right. When Jonah went through Nineveh preaching the way I've gone through America and America hadn't gotten right. But that, that, that Nineveh got right. 
Now, I'm going to read something from the three sermons that Nahum writes about, and I'm wondering, has he, has he written the, the sermons of Jonah? Because what, 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 what we hear here in Nahum is that God is saying to Nahum what he told me to tell America today. Here's what God going to do to y'all. Look at this. Chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Nahum. The burden of Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum. The Elkishite. Now I know it says vision, but I'm still hanging there with Jonah. I'm still hanging in there. Here's what God wanted Nineveh to know, and here's what God wants America to know. God is jealous. And the Lord revenges. Says it twice. The Lord revenges. And the Lord is furious, which takes vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Now, it'd be good to read this to the Sodomites and to y'all's Baptist churches and to Brooklyn Tabernacle. We're talking about God in love. God love everybody. God love everybody. He loves. They ain't never been nowhere near God's word. Verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. You hear that? The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Good God Almighty! Woo! The Lord rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drive up all the rivers, Bashan languishes, and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languishes. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. I want y'all to see that. Right? Now, uh, look at verse 14. And this is what the Lord told me to say to America. And the Lord have given a commandment concerning thee that no more of thy name shall be sown of the house of thy gods. I will cut off the graven image and the molten image and I will make thy grave for thou art vile. God says now mainly this molten and graven is a refusal of worship on the Sabbath day. But look at verse 2, chapter 2. Uh, let's see. I'm going to run through this real quick. The law of verse 3, the shield of his mighty men is made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariot shall be with flaming torches in the day of his preparation. And the first tree shall be terribly shaken. In other words, the shield of the mighty men shall be made red. You know, with blood. The valiant men are in chariots. With blood, uh, the chariot shall rage in the streets of America and shall jostle one against another in, on Broadway and Fifth Avenue. And they shall seem like torches. And they shall run like the lightnings. He shall recount the worries. They shall stumble in their walk. They shall make haste to the wall thereof, and the defense shall be prepared. 
All right. Let's see what else can we read here out of Nahum. Ah. Verse 11. Where is the dwelling place of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions? When the lion, even the old lion, walketh and the lions wept and none made them afraid. Verse 1, chapter 3. Now this is what God told me today. He told me this morning to tell this is what's going to happen to America. That's why we need to weaponize. This is what God's going to do to America. Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. They pray, depart if not. The noise of a whip, the noise of the rattling of the wheels, and the prancing of the horses, and the jumping of the chariots. See that? Verse 4. Here's what God's going to do to America. Both tribulation Trump and Obama. The redneck and the Obama worshiper. Because of the multitudes of thy whoredoms, of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts, that selleth nations through her whoredoms, and families through her witchcraft, behold, I'm against thee, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will discover thy, I will discover thy skirt upon thy face. No, I'm going to lift your dress up over your face. And I will show the nations thy nakedness. America, that's what God said he's going to do to you. And the kingdoms I shame. And I will cast abominable filth upon thee. And I will make thee vile. And I will set thee as a gazing stock, God says. And, uh, and it goes on. The, uh, look at verse 12. Verse 11. Thou also shalt be drunken. This is what God going to do to redneck land. Starting down in Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi. I will make thee also drunken, thou shalt be here, thou also shalt seek strength because of the enemy. And all thy strongholds shall be like fig trees. With the first stripe of the first ripe figs. If they be shaken, they shall even fall into the mouth of the eater. Now I want you to understand that this is very important. All the wealth of the Caribbean islands, the Caymans, the Grand Turks, Bermuda, Aruba, St. Lucia, Grenada, all those islands, Dominique, America as well. That when we weaponize with the Sabbath, that the wealth of those nations shall be shaken like a fig tree when the first ripe fruits and the wealth of those nations shall fall into our hands like a fig falling into the, of the mouth of the eater. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a fig tree before. I don't know if you've ever seen a fig tree. But the person who eats figs doesn't have to gather them. All he got to do is just walk by and the figs will fall in his mouth. That's an extraordinary example that God's given of how the wealth is going to fall to us. You can take your seats. 
The devil been lying to you. You let lies sit up in your house. Thank God for Christian Esther got a hold of her husband out there online. Tarnas is telling me that his mama said our church is a cult. Waverly Marsh got people trying to hustle him. Waverly Marsh got people who heard that he was giving to us and now they're trying to hustle him. But understand something. That God has said that when we weaponize that the wealth of the Caribbean shall fall into our hands the way the ripe figs fall into the mouth of the eater. Stand up and give God some glory. Give him some glory. Give him some glory. Give him some glory. Well, what is our weapon, Pastor Manning? What is our weapon, Pastor Manning? What is our weapon? Our weapon is the Sabbath day. That's our weapon. That's our weapon. We get weaponized and none can stand before us. God will lift up the skirts of them Baptist preachers down there in Redneck and the African Methodist people preaching with John, one uh, of his name, John Bryant, T.D. Jakes, God's going to lift up the skirts of them women in the churches and show their nakedness. You heard me read it. You heard me. Every last one of these Baptist preachers, every last one of them, these Methodists, every last one of these Hamites have heard James David Manning. They know who I am. They know who I am down in T.D. Jake's church. They know who I am. Your children know who I am. And yet they refuse. God's going to lift up their skirts and let everybody see their nakedness. We're headed towards the uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, Good Friday, and we're inviting you to come and be a part of our worship service starting at 12 noon on Friday. Uh, and we're going to have seven sayings from the cross. This year, it's going to be all women, members of the Outlaw Church, that will be speaking these seven sayings. That ought to be terribly exciting. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to have our regular worship on Saturday at 10 o'clock and 12 noon. That will happen. And then, of course, on Sunday morning at 7 a.m., we're going to have the sunrise worship service. And also at 11 a.m., we're going to have the, uh, the, the culmination of all things, the resurrection worship service on this coming Sunday. So we've got uh, one, two, three, four worship services over a period of three days. And we're inviting you to be a part of that. Come on to town and and be a part of that if you can. And I think Christine Estep sent me a note the other day and said if she come to the town, can we put her up? Well, of course we can. We, just let us know that you're coming. And by the way, that if, you, you know, if you're coming to the resurrection worship service at uh, seven o'clock, uh, we call that sunrise worship, uh, and you plan to stay, uh, let us know because we're planning a a, a, a continental breakfast, smoked salmon and sardines and cereal and fruits and juices and muffins and breads and sweet things and tarts and all of that will be in abundance in a buffet style for everybody to just stand around and eat and talk to one another uh, on this coming uh, Sunday morning. And then they'll, at 11 o'clock, in between the two worships, or between 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock, there'll be that 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 breakfast so if you're coming we need to know if you're bringing a bunch of children which we kind of had a woman come to church on sunday and she brought last past sunday brought three children with uh that happened several times we've been running out stuff real quick 
please call the church and let it know you're coming and how many people you're planning on bringing so we can be adequately prepared for food to serve you. But yes, we want you to be a part of the process. It'll make a junkie say, Jesus is Lord. I got a word in my mouth. I got a word, 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 word in my mouth. everybody, we are continuing the Manning Report. Now I'm here, the quintessential American James David Righteous Rebel Manning. And the incredible Sabbath of Rachel LaFleur will be reuniting with us soon as we get through this period that's most critical uh, as the Spirit of God, the cloud of glory, is moving. Now, there are a couple of things that we need to point out right away. Uh, to, we have sent out several tweets. We pray that you uh, follow us on Twitter or and uh, wherever else our tweets are read. Uh, I, I posted up recently that uh, the reason why America has so many guns, prisons, drug problems, and racist institutions and politicians is quite simple. And America has more of them than any other nation on planet Earth. The reason being is that America has not been able to make peace with her former slaves. And so the way that America deals with her former slaves uh, and and the problem of having so many of them is that everybody gets a gun. Were there America, if you can envision America having developed without the use of slave labor, if you can envision that, then you will envision an America that would have developed without the runaway rapid amount of guns that Americans possess. Now, there are a couple of things. One is I'm not making any excuses, nor trying to hide anything or run away from anything. Uh, number one is that I'm not here uh, to rail against the Second Amendment or the possession of guns. I'm telling you why people have them. I'm not here against the Second Amendment or the possession of guns. Nor am I here to regurgitate or to cry baby about slavery. I'm just here with the facts. And I'm trying to help you get enlightened to something that you will not hear uh, any major politician come out and say because one of the reasons is because you will jump to a conclusion that they are preaching a racial hatred or they're anti-gun, and so they're not going to say this, so you're only going to hear, hear this truth of all the 7 billion people on planet Earth. You're only going to hear it from me. Well, let's start over again. The reason why America is the number one gun ownership country on the planet is because guns are a form of dealing with former slaves. The reason why America has the largest prison population on planet Earth is because America has the largest form of slave population on planet Earth. The reason why America has the largest crime rate on planet Earth is because America has the largest form of slaves of any continent or people on planet Earth. The reason why America has the largest racist institutions, whether they be schools or businesses or banking or housing or communities or neighborhoods, the reason why America has more of them than any other nation is because 
uh, America as the largest form of slave population of any place on planet Earth. And of course, finally, the reason why America has, has the largest uh, racist, number of racist politicians and politicians that run on race and race along every race in America, especially presidential race, is always about racial politics. The reason being is because America has the largest former slave population. And the issue here at hand to be looked at is that America has not been able to make peace with her former slaves over the past uh, 400 years and, and 150 years in particular, America has not been able to make peace. Let me just give you some numbers so you can be aware of these as we pull them from the people that are credible in putting up these stats uh, for the world. The world prison population, the number one nation with the largest world prison population is America, the United States of America, has 2,145,100 people in prison. China has 1,646,000. Though China is five times the size of America, it has uh, half, uh, three quarters the amount of people in prison. The reason why, though China has a larger prison population and a much more oppressive political population and situation, they don't have the kind of prison incarcer incarceration because they don't have a former retinue of slaves that they have to deal with on an annual basis that they have not been able to make peace with. The Russian Federation is the second largest prison population. Now, uh, the, the other thing is the, the world's largest crime rate, uh, who has more crime than any other nation on the planet. Of course, again, America comes in number one. And again, the reason why America comes in number one as the world's largest prison population, the uh, world's largest crime, uh, of course, is because America is, has not been able to make peace nor deal with nor come anywhere near uh, integrating its former slaves into its mainstream lifestyle. No matter what you've seen or heard, the, the, the numbers don't lie. The facts don't lie. America has not solved it because if she did, she shall solve the crime. She solved the guns. She'd solve the prison population. So let's be clear about that. Just uh, as a note, side note, India has the second largest uh, world crime rate. Uh, though India has three times the population uh, that America has, but it has less crime than does America. And world gun ownership, uh, America has the largest world gun ownership of any other nation, including Yemen, Switzerland, Finland, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, <laughs> Uruguay. Uh, America is way out ahead of everybody else. More Americans own guns per capita than any other nation on planet Earth. Why? Protection against the former slaves and former slaves protection or means of life uh, or ways of life as there has not been peace uh, made between the former slaves and the former slave owners in America. And we've had 150 years to deal with it, 400 years in total. The world's largest police shootings, um, the, uh, the United States has the largest amount of police shootings uh, per capita, uh, over 1,000 shootings by police per year. South Africa comes in at a third of that, even with the apartheid regime, only 336 shootings in, uh, in South Africa. 
uh, and Germany has only 33, England only three, and Norway has none. So America has over a thousand police shootings. There's 1,100 police shootings last year, uh, and on an annual basis, right around that. Why? Because America has not been able to make peace with its uh, former slaves. Now, no matter what people tell you, no matter what you see about entertainers and movie stars, whether they're Hamite and basketball players and uh, Floyd Merriweather and the Shaq earning millions of dollars and politicians and black politicians and black presidents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, affirmative action. All of that is nothing but a lie from the devil. It's not even a facade. Because when you look at the heart of the issue, it is have those have the civil rights have the promotion of, of black basketball stars integration Jackie Robinson into the major leagues or where they got Kareem Abdul Jabbar playing in the basketball where these we got black politician with Edward Brooke senator from Massachusetts and on and on and on these have not in fact the problems of crime and drugs and guns and racist inst institutions and racist popular politicians they these problems have 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 grown as a result of decrees so i mean if you're going to be honest about this and you ought to because the life you save the honest life that you're honest with may and you save may very well be your own if you're going to be honest with that you'll have to look and say all these things that we see as a facade or when the dressing blacks in politics or and hamites is the word we need to use here i've used this because the stats come up uh, from the old language either african-american or black or negro but the appropriate term is hamite and japheth when it comes to america and shem as far as the jew is concerned if you're going to be honest and if you're genuinely interested in solving the problem don't say don't talk about how many Hamites play in the National Football League and how much they earn. It doesn't stop the police shootings in the street. It doesn't stop the shootings, over a thousand police shootings per year. That's more than it was before Jackie Robinson integrated into the, 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 the National Bat Baseball League. So if you're going to be honest, and we have to be, and if people are going to be honest because I'm here with the truth. None of these things have assuaged or dealt with or made peace. America has a problem with its former slaves. And the reason why America is leading in every demographic, whether it be guns, prisons, crime, drugs, poverty, racist politicians, racist politics, is because America has not discovered how to deal or make peace with her former slaves. We're living in two different worlds. The world of the former slave and the world of the former slave owner. Well, you know, there are, I'm sure there are many gun enthusiasts, people who just like to have guns there. There are people who are old car enthusiasts, like to own old automobiles, Jay Leno. But then there are a whole lot of other people are armed to the teeth because they know that that former slave is out there. They know that he's out there. They know that there has not been peace. They know that what, no matter what has been said about all the marches and civil rights and affirmative action and equality program, they know that there is war, continual war, between the former slave and the former slave owner. That's why they live in different neighborhoods. 
and they protect their neighborhoods with a plethora of guns. That's why there's so many guns. Now, as I said, not the only reason why, but certainly it's 90% of the reason why. Why are there so many police shootings? Because there has not been peace. Why there are no police shootings in Norway is because they've never had any slaves. No police shooting in Switzerland, and even though Australia is a prison state, or everybody went there years ago were prisoners, they don't have any shootings there because there was never any form of slaves. And until we are ready to a, a, admit this in the highest forms of government and institutions, that America has not made peace with our former slaves, America has not been able to integrate, there has not been a bringing together, there has not been a one unity, there's not been oneness, and in fact, it's getting worse. As a result of that, every race for the political, for the president of America is based on Hamite or Japheth. And until we are able to, until America is able to stand up, raise her hand, especially Japheth, and say, we got a problem with our former slaves that we cannot solve. As a result of it, our police are shooting young men in the street. They're shooting more than anybody else. We got more pe people in prison than China, which doesn't make sense. We got a greater drug problem. We got more racist institutions. Uh, and America needs to stand up and say that we don't know what the hell to do with the fact that we brought these people here and worked them for 400 years as slaves, and now we got a problem in our nation that we cannot solve. They're going to have to say it. They're going to have to say it. And they're going to have to realize that promoting a few Negroes, Hamites is who they are, by promoting a few Negroes, especially half-baked Negroes like Obama and pinch-nosed Negroes like Michael Eric Dyson or Van Jones, by promoting a few Negroes does not help the Hamite slave problem. Listen to me. When you pro promote a Negro like Van Jones or Michael Eric Dyson or a whole bunch of others of them out there that, that have a visibility uh, in, in, in media or in education or in the movies, Denzel Washington. When you promote these Negroes, you need to know it doesn't trickle down. It just gives you a mascot to show to the world, but the shootings increase. The poverty entrenches and gets deeper. The prison population gets thicker and larger. Promoting Van Jones and promoting pinch-nosed Negroes, going to Harvard, getting a Harvard education and talking like they're white with their pinched nose does not stop the police shooting. And it's time that we stop and we sat down and we said that we, we got a problem, America, Houston, we got a problem with our former slaves. But they got a problem with their former slaves. We don't know how to solve it. We don't know how to solve this problem. And nothing we've done over the past 150 years has brought the races together. In fact, we're further, we can't even live together in the same neighborhoods. And I'll tell you this, no matter what you do or say, I'll tell you this, the main problem, why there are many problems on both sides, if you will, in terms of entrenched racism, hatred, and fear, and inferiority, one of the major issues, the way to stem the flow is to stop 
promoting pinch-nosed Negroes like Van Jones and Michael Eric Dyson, whoever he is. Because people go into some illusion, oh, you got Van Jones on CNN or Don Lemon on CNN. That might means that Negroes are doing better. Hell no. Stop it. Get them all off. Kick them all out. Get them out of Harvard. Don't let them go in. Let them all work together. Let them be as one. Stop separating and promoting these mascot Negroes, these pensioners Negroes. That's number one. Now you got a whole lot of things you have to do over there on the Japheth side as well as, as far as dealing with the Japheth brother who's got a deep sense of inferiority running all up and down his spine. You got to deal with it and it's got to be said. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Why does America have the world's greatest over a thousand police shootings a year? The largest prison population, the largest crime rate, the largest gun ownership, yet it's the smallest nation. The largest drug use, yet it's the smallest nation. It has the biggest economy, but it also has the biggest problem. America needs to stand up. Japheth and Shem in particular need to stand up and admit that we don't know what to do after 150 years of dealing with the problem of bringing Africans over here as slaves have backfired. The same people that built this nation does, is the same and the are the same people that are tearing it down. We need, they need to stand up and confess that they don't know what to do. And all of the things that they've tried, especially at promoting pinch-nosed Negroes, has failed. It needs to be brought out in the open. Stop sending these men to prison. Stop police shootings in the street. Stop these welfare programs. Stop these racist politicians, these gerrymandering and running everything on coded language into political races based on race. Admit it. At, at least admit you got a problem and that you don't know how to solve. And none of the people that have come or marched or spoke or led or written or been elected so far have failed, and you need to admit it, failed civil rights. Fail black president, fail black politicians, fail black movie stars, fail black athletes, fail, 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 fail. And don't be ashamed to say they fail. I don't care how much popularity, heights of popularity they reached during their heyday, it has failed and failed miserably. So now what we're gonna do? I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're going to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. You're not going to pay any attention to what I've said until America burns like Rome did. And when she's burned and consumed from end to end, and there'll be neither former slave nor slave owner who can claim anything. And God will walk through Jerusalem. And God will say, because you refuse to hear my servant James David Manning, now reap the whirlwind. Because you're not going to listen. You're not going to stop promoting pinch-nosed Negroes. You're not going to stop promoting racist politicians across the South and the North-South. You're not going to stop 
making money through prison population and prison warehousing and drugs and selling guns. And you're not going to let anybody come near the Second Amendment. You're not going to ever admit the reason why you got so many guns is that you want to be able to shoot every one of them when they come up on your lawn. Until we tell the truth. And until the Bible says, Jesus said this, and the, said you got these New Testament freaks don't believe the Old Testament. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And until we admit the truth that America brought these Africans here, and they built America, now that they're no longer down on the plantation, the whole thing is falling apart. It is backfiring. And all the other nations are looking at America. It's crime, it's guns, it's racism. They don't have anywhere near the kind of problems because they don't have any former slaves that they have to contend with. So stand up and speak the truth, the whole truth. And then God perhaps will set you free. But unfortunately, you're not going to do that. At any rate, I will. I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord servant. Outlaw. That's what God said. That's what God said. That's what God said. They know I've survived some of the most brutal attacks, death threats, fire bombings, lies, assaults. They know I'm in here. They know I'm in here. They know I'm in here. They know there's a man in here. James Brown said, open up the door and let a man come in. They know there's a man in here. There's a man in this. They know it. There's a man in this church. They know it stood up to Obama and didn't back up. Marched against her. They know there's a man, there's a stoop down. There's a man in this house. They know it. And not they don't come in here because they don't agree. They don't want to come in here because they know they're going to come in here and meet a man. They walk by. They feel the vibrations of the church. They feel the vibrations of the building. There's a man in here. Look at him. Look at him. This man. Couldn't beat him. Police couldn't beat him. Obama couldn't beat him. Prison couldn't keep him. Desertion. People running away. And he's still preaching. We are opening up the doors of restoration and salvation, uh, restoration and restoration in general to people who have been estranged from our ministry for a while. Either you walked out or you were asked to leave or you would excommunicate it. Or whatever may be the, per, the reason why we, I was once your pastor and now I am not. And, and through the mercy of Almighty God, we are now during this Holy Week season, uh, we're given an, ex, an, an invitation worldwide, locally and worldwide. If you wish to be restored to the ministry, uh, then make that application known. Either do it if you're online and can't get and sit in the audience, then do it online. Or if you you're, are local and you want to come and sit and, and, and do it in the sanctuary. But while this is not certainly a, uh, a mean-spirited thing, it is simply to separate people that are trolls because we've got a lot of people that troll us who will just you know, jerk us around by saying one thing online, but they really don't mean it because they're not really interested in the ministry at all. And, and, and then, of course, there will be those who don't believe that their separation or excommunication from the ministry was right or just. 
so they don't feel that they have any need to adjust men. So when they come back, they'll come back with the same spirit. So we're, we're, we're asking you to repent of the, ring, of the wrong that you've done, to do it truthfully and honestly, and, and that we will receive you through the process of repentance. You know, John the baptizer told the Pharisees to bring fruits meat for repentance. And when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, or Zacchaeus' house, if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, you know how you say it, uh, and, and Zacchaeus repented and said, I'm going to give uh, uh, half of my goods to anybody I've taken from, and on and on and on. I think something on that order that he went. So it would be required that you repent because you just can't walk back in and, and say that we were wrong and that you were right. Then that's going to create more trouble for everybody. You get the idea. But the main thing here is that the door is open and we're going to keep the door open until the resurrection service on this coming Sunday. You refer to it as Easter. And after that, we'll, you know, we'll figure if you did, if you did, nobody who, if you didn't come by then, then you're not interested in coming. So we're not going to leave the door open to deal prayerfully because we got people already praying now. We got prayer warriors praying for people to get their act together. We're going to move on to other things once this Easter or resurrection worship service is over. Amen? Amen. Tribulation Trump said uh, uh, some time ago that the entire continent of Africa and the nation of Haiti in particular, and he also mentioned El Salvador, I believe, in that clip, that these nations were s-hole nations, uh, dung nation. The, the word dung is the Bible word, the feces is a more clinical word, uh, but the common language is s-hole, which I will not pronounce. I, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to let him get away with that. I don't, I don't think he ought to be able to bamboozle his way out of that. Uh, having said that about so many people and, and about God's people in particular and about a nation and, and, and pay no penalty for it. So what God Almighty has led me to do is to respond to it and talk about the hole that he came out of, which is his mama's hole, Hakuchi hole. And I did. Five million, nearly six million people have been able to view that video where I talked about Tribulation Trump coming out of his mama's coochie hole. Uh, but I, he should not, it, it's about time that strong and honorable men who are not looking at politics or not looking at keeping their incomes flowing in from either the church or wherever, or, or political genres need to stand up and say enough is enough. You're not going to say that. I'm not going to let him get away with it. And you're going to help me. In that video, more than 5 million, nearly 6 million people heard me say that. We've had a lot of success uh, over the last years in pro pro promoting videos, but nothing as successful as that. What I want to ask you to do is I want you to hear me. I want to send a message to Tribulation Trump and tell him in his, while he's at his darkest hour, we're going to buy Mar-a-Lago. We're going to buy it. We're going to buy Mar-a-Lago. We're going to buy the Trump International Hotel uh, in Washington, D.C., and we're going to buy, we, by we, I mean Hamites and Canaanites only. Uh, this is not racist, but these are the ones that will participate. Hamites are the, uh, the sons of Ham. Canaanites are the sons of Ham. Uh, uh, Hamites are the sons of Ham, and Canaanites are the sons of Hamites. 
Negroes, African-Americans, black people, colored, you know, that I'm giving a call for American Hamites and, 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 and Caribbean Hamite Canaanites to stand up and say, we're going to make you pay for that. You're, you're not going to get away with that. You've been getting away with a whole lot of things. You've called a whole lot of people, a whole lot of names, and they have just bowed their knee and let you do it. But you're not going to do that. This is it. That's the, we're stopping this. We're stopping this racism. It's stopping now. We want to send a message to you, Tribulation Trump. It want to send a message to the rest of you, rednecks. want to send a message to you that it stops now. We're going to buy your property. We're going to show you. We're going to buy your property. And if Brother Calloway down in Arkansas, Mississippi, raise his voice, we'll buy his farm. No, we're going to stop you. Here's what we're going to do. I'm calling for five million Hamites and Canaanites to get together and each one give $100 to the purpose of building a fund to set up the money to leverage Financially, the opportunity to buy Mar-a-Lago, to buy uh, Trump Tower and Trump International Hotel. Five million Hamites and Canaanites give $100 only. That would raise half a billion. Now, when this movement gets started, it's going to raise more than five million Hamites and Canaanites. And we're talking about people from Guyana all the way through St. Lucia, Aruba, uh, Grenada, the Falcon Islands, all the way up St. Kitts, St. Thomas, all the way up the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Cuba even. We allow Cubans to participate. And everywhere up to Bermuda and all across Hamite country, East Texas, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, New York, Washington, everywhere that a Hamite can be found can participate. We might get 10 million. We might get 20 million wanting to give $100. That way we got $2 billion to be able to buy out Tribulation Trump. He's going to need the money shortly. But the other thing is, friend, is that spiritually we want to work on his psyche to let him know, hey, you said that, don't, you're going to pay a penalty. We don't have a prison to put you in, but we want you to hear every day on the news reports, on the Caribbean news, on the Tom Jonas show, on the, the, the ABC, CBS, and the 60-minute news, we want you to hear that the Hamites and the Canaanites are getting together to buy your property. They're each giving $100 each, and they're going to buy your property, whether you're willing to sell it or not. We want him to hear that when he sits down in the Oval Office. We want, to hear, want him to hear that when he divides up his cocaine to do his four or five lines of cocaine in the morning before he goes out to meet the press. We want him to hear it every day while he's dealing with Robert Mueller, that the Hamites and the Canaanites are ganging up on him to buy his property, whether he's willing to sell it or not. And that's, that's waiting for him to misstep. And they're going to buy it. And they're going to put Haitians, they're going to put the very same people in Mar-a-Lago and in the Trump International Hotel and use it as a school to educate the same people that he said were SO people. We want him to know that. We want him to know when he wake up in the morning that we're after your ass. We're after your property. We're after you, boy. We're after you. I'm asking you. I'm asking you $100. Now, you give $100. Yeah, and you'll get a certificate. You'll get a statement that you have given and that you are a part of the share of this raising of the five, half a billion or a billion or two billion. You will get a statement that it belongs to you. 
I don't want to go off into the area in the event that we fail that we that the, the monies would be returned to you less expensive. But we would do that. But we're not going to fail. We, but we, you will be assured that your hundred dollars is not going to somebody's personal pocket. And then we're going to get a group of, of honest, integral Hamite and Canaanite brothers to be able to administrate. I'm not going I'm not going to be the president of this. Uh, you know, I might sit on the uh, the board of directors, but I, as as pastor and to pray over the process and be, meet and give give because I'm the one with the vision. But we're gonna let other people that will come up that we can trust with a billion dollars, with two billion dollars, to to leverage to buy Trump properties. And so we're asking you spread this noise, noise this abroad. Go ahead and put this message out there. Get your homies to come over to your man cave and put this up on the big screen television. Put this clip up on the big screen television or put it up in the beauty salons. Every beauty salon all over everywhere ought to have this running on there while they're doing the hair or whatever they're doing. Put it up in your store, in your shop. Run it in your churches. And by the way, a lot of people say, well, oh, that's, man, that's the man that don't like the black president. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. First of all, you need to hear me. You need to hear me and not what these pinch-nosed J-Fifth suck-ups have told you about me. You need to hear me. You need to know me. I was born two inches away from slavery. I walked with my grandfather who was born a slave. I held his hand down in North Carolina. I picked cotton for $3 a hundred. I cropped tobacco. I spent time in prison, some of the worst in America, Florida. I was in prison in the, in the 70s when men in prison, everybody had 100 years for spitting on the street. And I survived. I survived New York, Sing Sing. I survived Auburn, Comstock, Dannemora. I survived. I live in Harlem. I've lived here for 35 years. I don't preach to a congregation of people, then get in my Cadillac and drive out to the white neighborhood and try to be white. I live with the people. I fed, this church has fed over a million meals. Right now, we're feeding children and educating children that are Hamites that have, without this church, without this breakfast program, without the generosity of all the people that serve here because they know my heart. They know I'm a genuine stomp down brother. I'm not a sellout. That's why we're able to feed and educate. So when they come and tell you, well, he, he wasn't for the first black president. Let me tell you something. I can go for a black president if that's what you want to have. Obama wasn't that. But it wasn't really him. The thing that bothered me about Obama was that his mama was white. Now, I know we all got mixed blood, but I don't go for that dictum that the Ku Klux Klan came up with and said, if you got one ounce of black blood, you're black. Who the hell died and left them the, the, the adjudicator of what race you belong to? If you got one ounce of black blood, you're black. No. Why can't you got one ounce of black white blood, you're white? Why, why you got to be black? And then the other thing was, is that, you know, we need to honor the black woman. We need to lift her up. We need to make her a queen. And we shouldn't put another white woman up as the mother of the first black president. If we're going to have one, then we ought to have Barbara Jordan's son, or Shirley Chisholm, or Nancy Wilson, or Coretta Scott King, one of their boys. If we're going to have a black president not coming out from between the legs of a white woman. Now, and we, and y'all brothers, and y'all need to get with that. Need to stop letting 
just because somebody's white, you grin and skin and, 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 and bow down and say, hell no, we want a black woman. Or Hamite, anyway, no, I ain't, I'm not, no, I'm a brother. No, no, I'm so deep inside the brotherhood that it's, it, you, don't, you, can't, you don't even recognize. I'm not a skin flinter, sellout, hustler, pinch nose. So here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send a message to Trump. Send a message to him. Let him know that we are putting together money to buy him out. We're putting together money to buy his property. Let him think about that. Let him think about that. And, uh, and, and they'll say to every other redneck and racist, next time you decide to call us a name, I want you to know we are united. We will buy you out. We will close down your bank account. We'll call in your mortgage. We'll buy the bank. If somebody in Mississippi or Georgia or Ohio say something about the Hamite and Canaanite people or down in Haiti or in Jamaica or in the Cayman Islands, I tell you what we'll do down in Cayman Islands after we buy Trump. We will buy the bank that supports Cayman Islands and, and all those hotels down there. We will buy the bank and then call in the mortgage on those hotels in the Cayman Islands and the Grand Turks Caicos. Don't you mess with us. No, we will buy you out. You keep your mouth shut. And when you see a Hamite brother come in or Canaanite brother come in who have been washed in righteousness and taught in leadership by the Honorable James David Manning, you say, yes, sir, Mr. Hamite. Yes, sir, Mr. Canaanite. Canaanite. Yes, sir. But we'll buy you out. Put you on the street. That's right. We'll buy the bank that holds your mortgage. We'll buy the bank that holds the loan on your car. And then we'll call in the note. Mess with us. So here's what I need y'all to do. Get over that stuff they said about me. Get over it. Get over it. And let's get together. $100. You got that. Your children got it. We'll set up a fund. You send $100 in, you'll get a gold bond certificate for $100. The certificate probably costs more than $100. We'll give it to you. Let you know that it's an investment that can be returned to you if necessary. If you don't like it, you don't like the way it's going to ask for it, we'll give it back to you. But the main thing is, we're going to do it. All right? I'll put up the address where you can go ahead and, and, um, and write in, or you can contact the ministry. Go to our website, thelotlot.org. Go to our website, thelotlot.org, and all the information you need will be there for you to be able to make such an investment. No, you ain't going to never, ain't nobody going to ever call us a name again. Ain't nobody, nobody going to ever call us a name again. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. So keep your mouth shut. See how might come? See a Canaanite come? Say, yes, sir. You've been taught by the Honorable James David Manning. Lord have mercy. He done made you a righteous man. All right. All right, I'm the Lord's servant. I'll be right back, everybody. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Why should I pay them taxes after I'm doing them a great service? Because we weren't here to do it. The city would have to come in and feed and educate these children. We don't get a dime from the city. 
the state, nor the federal government. Not one dime, not one dime from any of them demons. Not one dime comes to, to cook that food. Not one dime. Every bit of it comes from the tithe and the offering. And, the, and they say, after we serve all these meals, educate all these children, keep people out of prison, counsel husbands and wives, they say I should pay them taxes also. No! No, we're not paying them any taxes. Why should we? And that's why the tax exemption for churches and charitable organizations was set up in the first place. Because churches do work that ostensibly the state or the government doesn't have to do. I want to tell you about a member of our church. Her name is Mother Cooper. And Mother Cooper hails from South Carolina. She's been in New York nearly 60-some years and going towards 70. I won't tell you how old she is. And Mother Cooper reminds me of the widow uh, of two mites in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 42. And in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 2, that Jesus was in the, going into the temple, was in the vestibule area, and people were putting money in the, the, the collection plate there. And this widow came in, and the widows in the tradition of the Jewish heritage could not work, could not own property, and if they didn't have the husbands or sons or nephews to take care of them, they were just out. And all she had was two mites. And the Bible says she gave it uh, for the work of the ministry. A lot of people say that they don't have anything to give to this ministry. They like it. They love my preaching and everything. But they feel comfortable by not giving because they say to themselves they don't have anything to give. Uh, but that's not true. And, and God knows it's not true. What they're saying is that Unlike Mother Cooper, who gives, she only gets $700 a month. She gives 10% of that to the Lord every month without fail. Uh, but what people do is that they prioritize. They say, I, I have to do other things before I give. But giving should be first. It is the planting of the seed. It is the honoring of the Lord. Giving should be before you get other things done. But more specifically, most times you can get those other things done as well as giving. It just to be prompted in your heart that we fed over a million children meals here in the Harlem, New York City area. We have a high school education system that we do through grade kindergarten through, through high school. And we reach you every day. And it costs a lot to do this. You need to put us on your priority list. Stop pushing us to the curb. And do the Mother Cooper thing. Make sure you give and tithe uh, and stop saying that you can or don't have it because we recognize that you can and that you should and you know how to do that. You know, I, I've been listening to Alex Jones and Sean Hannity uh, and a plethora of other people out there in the ether talking about deep state. What they mean by that is that somehow or another the holdovers or the Obama administration, even way back to the Clinton administration, um, that they are the ones that are indeed running the government and they've got to, they're, they're handling the control levers and they're pulling the strings and, and calling all the shots. And so that whatever Trump is trying to do, uh, according to these these uh, these deplorables out there, like Sean Hannity and Alex Jones, uh, whatever Trump is trying to do is being impeded by this 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 secretive organization inside of the government called the deep state. You know what that sounds like to me? Several things. Number one is 
that, you know, a lot of Hamite people, Canaanites, run around and talk about how uh, the white man's holding them down. And I've never said that. Though there's opposition, to be sure, about the races, that the Japheth man is white, that's who he is, the Japheth man, and he's holding them down. There are oppositions in the races, but my position is this. My, my position is the Toussaint L'Overture position. No man can hold me down. And so I'll never say that. But not only that, but what Alex Jones is confessing and what Sean Hannity is confessing and a bunch of others out there when they confess the deep state is the reason why tribulation Trump is unable to move his agenda forward. And the reason why all these things are happening and that the media is in on it, CNN and all the other liberal media, they're in on the deep state situation. What they are effectively saying is that the Obama administration and the Clinton administration and the media, that they're more powerful than Trump and his group. But does that make sense? I would think that if there is a deep state, it didn't get started the day that tribulation Trump got elected because it would be in its infancy and disorganized. I would think, and, and certainly by what they've taught, that the deep state's been around for a while, then if there is a deep state that's controlling everything, then that deep state should have kept Obama a voted Jezebel Clinton into office. You know what I find? I find absolutely pure stomp down ignoramus about Alex Jones and Sean Hannity is that they're willing to say that America, that Obama and a bunch of others have colluded to keep Trump from being successful. But these damn fools will not say that, a, that Russia colluded to put Trump in office. I mean, have you ever seen anybody with their pants down below their butts like Alex Jones and, and Sean Hannity. Have you ever seen anybody with their butts swinging in the wind with such stupidity? Why is that Obama can have a deep state, but Vladimir Putin can't have a deep state? And with tribulation Trump, why is that Hillary is crooked Hillary, but Vladimir Putin is a saint? Have you ever seen anything as crazy as these Japheth people? They're damn fools, I'll tell you. Have you ever heard of anything that's a deep state in America, but no deep state in Russia? Crooked Hillary, but saintly Vladimir Putin. I ain't never seen. I mean, Alex Jones and Sean Hannity and Gene Pirro and Fox News are walking around with their buttocks showing. And they don't realize how ignorant they sound. The deep state, the deep state is keeping our president. The deep state is keeping our president that God sent. God sent us that president. And nothing. What do you mean by us? I smell on the breath of these people who say that Trump is our president, a demarcation, a segregation, or something on the, that he is a white president, but not an American president. What the hell? I smell on their breaths. They're saying that Trump is a, the white president, 
but not the American president. The hell with America. The hell with the Constitution. The hell with the Congress. The hell with the courts. He's our president, they say. I swear. I mean, have you, have you listened to them? I, I listened to them, and I cannot believe that, that such ignorance has appeared on Fox News. Or out there in the ether. Our president. What about the American president? He, he, the deep state. And yet, <laughs> yet, Russia is as pure as the driven snow. So here, here are a couple things I want to say to you. First of all, is that there needs to be uh, at least the reckoning uh, that there is something sick going on in America. Um, and, and that there are people that are, that really have under a delusional, they're weak right now. They're not speaking eloquently, nor clearly, nor intellectually. Alex Jones is talking like a fool, Sean Hannity, all these people out there. And, and then, you know, tribulation Trump has lost Hope Hicks, a young girl that was really nice trying to get Rob Porter back. Mike Flynn, that worked with him throughout the campaign, has pled guilty to crimes. Jeff Sessions, that the first senator that endorsed him, he's called ignorant and hates his guts. Rich Priebus has left. Steve Bannon is gone. H.R. Uh, McMaster, the second Homeland Security Advisor. I mean, the list of people, now John Dodd, who was his lead attorney, uh, to confront the Russia probe by Mueller. He doesn't even have a lawyer. And he's asked Ted Olson, many of the major lawyers who understand the process around America to come serve him. And they say no. And there, and what, what Sean Hannity and, and, and Alex Jones is, is the deep state. But all these people will fire him. You mean to tell me that Obama and Hillary Clinton has convinced Mike Flynn to testify against tribulation Trump? You mean to tell me that Obama and, and Hillary Clinton have been able to, con to convince Hope Hicks to leave, to convince Steve Bannon to talk about Trump? To, you tell me that Obama and Hillary Clinton have been able to convince Rex Tillerson to say that Trump is a moron? You mean to tell me that Obama and Hillary Clinton and the deep state, they've been able to convince uh, the John Dodd and uh, all the major lawyers in, in America and the world to refuse to take. That mean they got that much power. I mean, Obama and crooked Hillary got that much power. The deep state. So that Trump can't have a friend. Even the people that are his friends are no longer his friends. That they got that much power? If they got that much power, then they would have, I, I would think, I, you know, that they would stayed in office. The Hillary, crooked Hillary would be president now if they had that much power. And yet the beat goes on. By the way, you know, Trump is out there now by himself. There's, there's really nobody with him now. He's, he's alone with his cocaine. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this question. You know, during the Nixon administration, had deep throat. <laughs> Is deep throat and deep state one and the same? And I want to ask you this question, and I promise not to inflict myself upon you any further. 
what about Stormy Daniels? Is she a part of the deep state? Did Jezebel Clinton call uh, uh, Stormy Daniels to come and to go on 60 Minutes? What about Michael Arvinetti? Uh, is he a part of the deep state? And by the way, you know, during the, the campaign for presidency, Tribulation Trump called him Paula Jones, uh, what's the, all them women, that, that, about four or five women that had uh, a thing against Clinton and sat them down, paid their airfare to New York, put them down, put them up in nice hotels to, to show that Bill Clinton was a womanizer, right? <laughs> was that deep state? Now that Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels and 19 other women are coming out against tribulation Trump. I mean, is, is, is that what Trump did to Clinton? And, and, and the other thing is that, you know, that, that not a word Trump has not uttered a word. So I, I would want to ask the rednecks out there. I say rednecks because I want to get your attention. That, I mean, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? That this deep state is so powerful that Hope Hicks, that Rob Porter, and by the way, did the deep state make Rob Porter beat up both of his wives? He married one, beat her up. She left it because she won't go stand for being beaten up by this guy. He married another woman. He can't get along with women. He don't know what to do, how to satisfy a woman. So he fights her. He beats her. Did the deep state make Rob Porter beat up his wife? Did the deep state make Mike Flynn sit down over there in Russia with Vladimir Putin? And yet they can talk about the deep state. Deep state is keeping our president. You know, I, I think that 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 that, 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 that be a record. These people need to stop saying Trump is our president. Like, I'll leave our president alone. But nobody can believe that there's a deep state in Russia, but there's a deep state in America. Um, you know when you pull the peels back of the onion, you will see that these people are delusional, reprobates. I know Alex Jones, and I know Sean Hannity. Can I tell you what's happening to them? God has cursed them. God has cursed these two men and made them psychopaths. They really need to be in a straitjacket. They weren't like this. God has cursed them. The curse and the judgment of God is upon them. But whatever it is, God does not like their deeds. He hates their deeds and he's cursed them. And he's, he has pulled up their skirts to show their nakedness, as Nahum said about Nineveh. God has pulled down their pants so that Alex Jones and Sean Hannity's nakedness can be seen. I mean, did you ever think that you would live in a day where a porn star would get on the biggest news program on the planet and say she told the president of the United States and Tribulation Trump to pull down his pants and she slapped him, she swatted him, she spanked him with a magazine. <laughs> you can't make this up. Was that the deep state? <laughs> anyway. 
I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord servant. I don't want the engineer to take us away. I want Mr. Engineer just a few moments and then you can take us out of here. I want to remind you that we have the worship services coming up this weekend, starting on Friday with the Good Friday worship service. We have seven saints from the cross. They're all going to be said by the women uh, uh, about church. It's going to be an exciting time. It starts on this coming Friday at 12 noon. If you can be a part of the process and can get here, uh, we'd love to have you come. Um, and it starts at 12 noon. We're going to start right on the dot. They'll be preaching and singing and I'll be presiding. Uh, and then we're going to shut things down to Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We'll get back together at 10 for more worship. And I will be preaching at 10. I'll be preaching at 12 and we'll have some things going on uh, as our normal Sabbath worship. As you know, we're Sabbath worshipers. And then, of course, on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, we'll be back in the church again for what we refer to as a sunrise worship service, coordinating with the time that Jesus got up out of the grave on Sunday morning at the resurrection. And we'll have a worship service to, to memorialize that. And then we'll have a little light meal to eat something to eat, some smoked salmon and some soups and or some crackers and from fruits and jellies and, and rolls and, and milk and coffee, and that kind of thing. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll have our uh, final worship for the holiday weekend. Uh, at 11 o'clock, there'll be more preaching and singing and, and just celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're asking you to be a part of that process. We're also asking you to be mindful that you can give. I am going to be blocking a large number of the trolls. I've just had it with these trolls. Um, I used to let the trolls uh, stay on our Facebook or YouTube or Twitter page because I wanted the, the people that who know that I'm the Lord's servant to see just how ridiculous they are, especially uh, such items as the deep state. I mean, anybody who, who believes as a deep state is a damn fool. That's just all there is to it. And I wanted people to see that, how ridiculous some people are, and yet they listen to me anyway. But I'm going to block them. And I'm going to look carefully at people that are not supporting the ministry, that are not giving to the ministry, um, and who just who just take in everything that we say. Listen, if, if, if what we're doing is not worth your giving weekly, your tithes and offerings or monthly as you get your income. Now, listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. If what I'm teaching as the man of God is not worth your return, responding to giving to, then there's no point in you listening and there's no point in me talking to you. You are making me cheap. You're making me worthless. You're saying I have no worth. You are saying when you refuse to give that I have no worth. So therefore, we're going to block you. Uh, we don't lose anything. I mean, we don't lose $10 or whatever it is you would have given because you didn't give it. But we don't lose. You have to understand. We don't lose anything by blocking you. But I think the thing important here is that people say, well, they don't have anything to get. They, they don't have anything to give. Yes, they do. This is America. Did you know that? Everybody's got something to give. It's a matter of priority. You've decided that what you have, you don't want to share it with us. I have to eat. We have to pay our bills. And but that's not the important thing. The important thing is, is that check this out. If you can sit there and listen and not give, then you are saying what we are doing has no worth. 
that you are the final arbiter of what is worth, that I'm worthless, that I'm not worth a dollar. This ministry is not worth two dollars. You're saying we have no worth. So I'm saying to you, you're right. So there's no point in me, you, me wasting your time by you watching and listening to me every day. I'm going to block you. So you can't listen. I'm not going to let you tell me I have no worth. The Bible says the laborer is worthy of his hire. Jesus says if you enter into a house and you bless it, then let the people bless you. But if they don't bless you, take your blessings back. I'm going to block you. But it's not a mean-spirited thing because you've already told me that I have no worth. I'm not even worth a dollar. You've been listening for years and have never sent a dollar, many of you. At any rate, I'm James Edward Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord's servant. Let's get close to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Let's get close to the Lord. Oh, yeah. some demographics here and some etymology and some racial identification and chronology. Hamites are the sons of the, uh, the prophet or preacher of righteousness named Noah, who God chose to replant humanity after the great flood. When he found that the hearts and intents of the thoughts of men were only equal, evil continually, he killed off everybody on planet Earth except for Noah, his three sons. His oldest boy was named Shem. Noah's oldest boy was named Shem. His second oldest boy was named Ham, and his youngest boy was named Japheth. And of course, Ham had a son later on named Canaan. 
And Ham uh, finally settled in the region we know as Egypt, Ethiopia, uh, Eritrea, Djibouti, um, and, and so forth, but mainly in Egypt. Uh, Canaan, on the other hand, settled in the land that we now refer to as uh, Israel. Some time ago referred to as Palestine, erroneously. That was, a, that was a misapplication of the name of Israel. But Canaan settled that land. He settled the Jordan. He settled the, 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 the Kidron Valley. He settled all that region, all the way up to Syria and beyond. And then, of course, Japheth went north to Norway, to Sweden, to Russia, to England, uh, to Ireland, Germany, France. It's where Japheth went and he settled that land. We call that the land with winter. And we call the land where Ham settled the land without winter. And we call the land where Canaan settled also the land pretty much without winter as well. And then, of course, the Canaanites, uh, after their land was taken, after God ordered it, and I'm good with that, God said that he was going to give Canaan land to Shem. Once they came out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God gave them Canaan's land. And the Jews took over and forever named Israel and shall forever be named Israel. And that's just how that is. Canaan left. He was driven out by the Jews, went to his father's land in Egypt, and then drifted west over to the west coast of Africa, where later he was picked up by the shipbuilders in England uh, and taken as slaves down into the Caribbean, down into South America, and to most of, of, of Eastern America, from East Texas all the way up to Maryland, uh, was he taken in all those states in between, the Canaanites. And Africa itself is the land of, of Ham or the Hamites. Normally these people are referred to, the Hamites are referred to as Negroes or Africans. The Hamites are referred to as Africans and the Canaanites are referred to as Negroes, uh, as colored, uh, as black, African-Americans, etc. So I want to say a word to the Canaanites in particular because it was mainly the Canaanites, it was God that spoke through Noah and said that Canaan shall serve both Shem and Japheth in Genesis chapter 9, verse 25. God Almighty said that Canaan shall be a slave. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. God said it. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. And God blessed, uh, Lord bless Shem, and, and Canaan was his servant. And, so, and God enlarged Japheth. And Canaan was his servant as well. I'm good with that. That's what the Bible says. I never refute God's word. I'm good with that. But that service took place in the Caribbean and in Eastern America, in the states I made mention of, everywhere from the tip of Florida, all the way, and, and, and of course, to, to Haiti, Dominican Republic, East Texas, as, as, high, as far north as Maryland did the slavery, did the Canaanite service slavery. And of course, you got Canaanites all over America now. But the thing I come to tell you today, and I promise not to inflict myself upon you any further, is that once uh, Japheth, who enslaved, and rightly so, a lot of people have a problem with that, but it's true. Once Japheth enslaved Canaan, he taught him about Jesus. That's a good thing. He, he taught Canaan about Jesus. Canaan may have known something about the Hebrew religion. He may know something about Islamic religion when he got here. He may have known a concoction of voodoo, Canaanite, Hamite, and, and Muslim and Hebrew religion that he may have learned 
while living in Egypt with his father. And then many of the Muslims came down into, uh, into Africa. He may have known some, but Japheth taught him particularly about Jesus, Canaan. And, 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 and Canaan accepted Jesus as Lord and got baptized and confessed that Jesus is Lord while he remained slaves. But not only that, but in the process of the years that Japheth had Canaan as slaves, he converted him to, 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 to his religion and, and the religion and to Jesus, and that was a good thing. But he also pointed out to, Can to Canaan, the sons of Canaan, the many generations that came and lived and died as slaves on the plantations across America and across the Caribbean, that Japheth told Canaan that it was God's will that he serve him. And he showed it to him in the Bible, where I just showed it to you a few moments ago in Genesis chapter 9, verse 25. And when the spirit of Nat Turner or the spirit of slave rebellion rose up because of the affliction and brutality of Japheth and the raping of the young girls, raping of the women, and the brutality towards the men, that Canaan began to rebel and he was put back in his place by the scriptures. And not just that, but I want to read a scripture also that was very famous, that was read for many, many months by Nat Turner. It's in Colossians chapter 3, um, verse, let's see now, verse 22. This verse has been memorialized by Nat Turner and his slave uprising and rebellion. The um, verse 22 of Colossians, the slave master, Japheth, would show the Canaanites this verse. And for many years, Nat Turner taught it. Servants, obey in all things your master, according to the flesh, notwithstanding uh, as, uh, not with, I'm sorry, with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord uh, and not unto men. And, and, and on and on, Nat Turner memorialized those verses in the hearts and minds of the Canaanites. And that kept the rebellion down for many, many years. That Japheth used scripture. Now, those are words of, of God. They're ordained of God. They're sacred words of God. And I'm not against them. I support them. They're in God's word. And God said it. And I agree with them. But I, it also gives me the liberty to be able to say that God Almighty, his name is Jesus, the same Jesus that the Japheth man taught my fathers, my grandfathers, and my ancestry to worship and to be cleansed in his blood. That Jesus has come to me. And he has said to me, because I've honored the scripture, whether it was whether I thought it was good or bad, I've not turned to the right nor to the left. While many of my brothers misunderstood, many of my kinfolk misunderstood the fact that I obey and honor the scripture, that he has sent me now to speak to Ham and to Canaan and to let him know that God has said also in the same Bible verses to set him free. If you look in the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, the Bible says that the Sabbath day is holy, that we are to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and that no man should work on the Sabbath day, neither your ox nor your ass, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. 
Now, Almighty God has sent me to preach. And I want y'all to hear me because I know the difficulty of this. That the Sabbath day is the true emancipation, liberation that Almighty God has sent to set Ham free, to set Canaan free. That God has sent this and that the sent this this word that's been in the word. And now I have brought the revelation because Canaan could say to Japheth on the Sabbath day, boss, the Bible says I'm not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. The Bible says that on the Sabbath day, I'm a free man. The Bible says on the Sabbath day, I can sit with God. Boss, you can't make me work on the Sabbath day. And God has brought me now to teach that, that I am to call for all Hamites, all Canaanites, from the Caribbean, the deepest depth of Caribbean, including parts of South America, from Guyana to Belize, all the way up to Aruba, all the way up through Dominica, that God all the way up to Cayman Islands, Bermuda, and everywhere in between, and from all over America, Hamites or Canaanites are, God has sent me to call you to honor the Sabbath day. Now, I know many of you have been Christians uh, uh, and under the Roman lie. You have been Christians under the lie and the falsehood that has been taught by the Catholic Church that's got you worshiping on Sunday and it's deep in your bones. But it's a lie. It's a lie. God never called you. And by worshiping on Sunday, you are violating the law of God. And God will not hold you guiltless. He has sent me to tell you that the Catholic Church has lied to you. They lied to you. They lied to you. And they brought you to a place where there is no power. But God Almighty, his name is Jesus, has called me to lift up my voice like a trumpet. As a voice crying out in the wilderness of North America, all down through the Caribbean, all down through the islands, all down through the Caribbean, all over into Africa. God has called me to lift up my voice like a trumpet to cry aloud and spare not and tell the Hamites and Canaanites to come home to Sabbath worship. This is difficult. But with God, all things are possible. Your churches are set up around Sunday and the devil set that up to keep you from honoring the Sabbath day, the power thereof. Got you going to the golf course, some of y'all, on the Sabbath day, playing golf, washing your car, going shopping, going to Walmart, doing all kinds of things, fixing fences, mowing lawns, on the Sabbath day. That's God's holy day. And then on Sunday, you put on a suit and you go to church. That God doesn't, that's not the day that God said. Yeah, I know that the apostle Paul, when trying to reach the Gentiles, who asked him, can we worship on Monday? They said, yeah. Paul said, yeah. But he never told them that they could not worship, by saying you can worship it, that you can worship God any day you want. And you can, you can. Even now you can worship on Thursday, but you cannot not honor the Sabbath day. You understand? And the Roman Catholics and Constantine have taken that verse and misconstrued it and lied and taken you away from the one thing and all of creation from, from one end of the universe to the other, from one miracle power to another, from one healing to another, from one enlightenment to another, 
that the one thing that you have that's yours and yours and no man can take from you, uh, take your power from you, and that is the Sabbath day. But the devil took it. He took the Sabbath. He took it from you and gave you Sunday. And now you're going, God has sent me to call you back to true worship, the worship of the Sabbath day. Can I share one other thing with you? And I promise not to inflict myself further. The only people in all of the universe that keep the Sabbath are the Shemites. Now listen to me very carefully. The only people that keep the Sabbath day are the Shemites. That's the Jews and the Muslims. Japheth, the white man, he's a Sunday boy because he's up, tied up in that Catholic Protestant stuff. He don't keep the Sabbath. And, uh, and Ham, of course, doesn't keep the Sabbath. But notice that the Shemite keeps the Sabbath. And if they didn't, they would not have the financial nor the political power they have to maneuver the world the way they do. You know, over there in Saudi Arabia, over there in Qatar and the United Arab Emirates and all of those lands over there where there's all above all the ground is nothing but sand. But you know, God has a way and he wants to speak to the Caribbean islands that when they begin to dig down in that sand over there in Qatar, United Arab Emirates over there in Saudi Arabia, they found all the oil in the world. God had reserved the greatest wealth of oil that the world has ever seen. And they're all, even little children, are multi-billionaires, but they keep the Sabbath. They keep the Sabbath. Now, I'm not saying that Islam is the right religion, I'm not, but he's a son of Shem, and I have to admit that. His father is Abraham. He's a Shemite, the Muslim. But look at God, how God has blessed them with those desert sands. Imagine if we could get the people in the Caribbean starting there, because these ministers, these ministers, these prime ministers, these presidents, these politicians, and all them islands, they're going to hear me and say, I'm not for Obama, so therefore disrespect me. But see, they already got a gravy train. You can't listen to the politicians. You can't listen to the leaders, the presidents of these nations and or these states, these nations out in the Caribbean. You can't listen to them. See, they already got their gravy train. They already got a good house. They already got maids and servants. They already got the succulent meats. They already got the good shoes. They already got the good cars. And they want to keep you where you are. And they're not they're going to tell you, don't listen to me. They're not going to let the newspapers write about this down in any of those Caribbean islands or any place here in America. Tom Joyner ain't going to call me. Steve Harvey is not going to have me on because they already got theirs. They already got theirs. They sold the Sabbath for the money that they got. They got millions. They ride around in the nice cars. They got the nice houses. They eat the good foods. They smoke the great cigars. They drink the great cognac, the best cognac. They already got theirs. Don't don't let and the preachers as well. The preachers already got theirs. They don't want to change to the Sabbath. Some will and, and some of the leaders will as well. But God has sent me to wake you up to let you know that if Hamites and Canaanites here in North America and Africa with one voice would do what the Shemites have done, what the Jews have done, and honor the Sabbath, God will bring up wealth up out of the islands. There'll be wealth up out of Haiti. There'll be oil discovered in Haiti that will fuel the world. You know, 
here in New York, there's a large Jewish population, and thank God for it. But because not only the Jews honor the Sabbath day, they honor the holidays, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. And did you know that on the holidays, on the Jewish holidays, all of New York City with 8 million people and 7,500,000 of, of those 8 million people in New York City, they are anything other than Shemites. They're not Jews, but the Jews 500,000 Jews shut down the streets, they shut down the subways, they shut down the parkings, they shut down the universe, they shut down the banks, they shut down New York for their holiday and nobody can move. The Jews shut down the banks, they shut down the schools because they keep the holidays. They, they got that kind of power. You can't even send your child to school in New York on a Jewish holiday. I don't care if you're a Hamite, Canaanite, or Muslim. You can't go to school. The Jews have said there'll be no schools because we Jewish, we have Jewish school teachers and they're not going to work on a Jewish holiday. You see that? And yet, you're going to let these John Bryans, these T.D. Jakes, these Creflo Dollars, these Tom Joyners, these Steve Harvey, they already got theirs. They already got theirs. And they work for the Shemites. They work for the Jews. And the Jews pay them. That's where they get their money from. That's who promoted them. That's how they got their positions. That's how come they're in the news and on the... And they ain't going to let you become a Sabbath keeper. And they're going to cause you to look at me cross-eyed. Some of y'all ready to stop listening to me now? Preachers who are scared to stand up in their churches and say, God said, honor the Sabbath. Scared of their congregation. Scared of the fellow preachers. Scared of the association. Afraid. Afraid to honor God's word. But remember, God said, his name is Jesus, if you deny me on earth, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. It's never been easy. Never been easy. We got a store where we buy materials from uh, for our production. It's a Jewish store and the prices are right. And Friday evening at 2 o'clock you can't get in that store, they shut it down. I don't care if you come there with a suitcase full of money and, and sh throw the shoulder store owner, you got a million dollars and you want to spend it right now on Friday past 2 o'clock or Saturday, he won't let you in that store. He'll tell you to come back Sunday, but you ain't getting in there. So, well, I got a million dollars. I don't care how many you got. You ain't getting in there. The Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath is worth more than a million dollars. You got these swine dancing preachers. And we understand that Japheth, when he told us about Jesus, started us with Sunday. Okay, we understand that. But God has sent me. Do you believe that? God Almighty, his name is Jesus, has sent me to retool, to retain, retrain you. And show you a power like you ain't never seen before if we become Sabbath worshipers. So check this out. Japheth used the scripture to keep you in slavery. He did. Was it malicious? I'll have to ask the Lord about that because the scriptures he used were valid. The, the Colossian scripture, chapter 3, verse 22 and following. And the Genesis scripture, chapter 9, verse 25 and 5. They're valid scriptures. And all throughout the teachings of Moses from the laws of Mount Sinai, Moses allowed for servants to serve the Jews. It's all throughout the scripture. What he didn't tell you, what Japheth didn't tell you, is that after seven years, Moses said you should be set free. 
Moses said on the Sabbath year. Now he didn't tell you that, but I will. Moses, the Japheth man said that God said you're supposed to be his slave. You're supposed to be his servant. It's right there in the scripture. It's right there in the word of God. There's no getting around it. I'm with it. I agree with it. But what the Japheth man didn't tell you that I'm telling you is that on the Sabbath year, on the seventh year, every slave is supposed to go out a free man. That's right. You're only supposed to serve seven years, Moses said. And then after that, you're to go out with a free man and you're not to go out empty. The boss man is supposed to give you a great bounty so you can set up house and give you land so you can set up business. That's what Moses said. It's right there in the word of God. Now, Japheth ain't never told you that. He ain't never told you that. But my friends, listen, these preachers, these politicians, they are going to hate me. They ain't going to let this word get out. And, 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 and the, the, they're going to try to stop you from hearing this. You, you, should, you should put this, take this message and take it to the church and, and tell the preacher if he had nothing to be afraid of, let me speak. You should take this to your families and, and tell them we need to come back to God's word. Not only the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath year. It's right there in the word of God. The Sabbath year, you were not supposed to serve Japheth more than seven years. After seven years, you were supposed to be set free. He didn't tell you that. He, I'm trying to tell you the power of the Sabbath. Don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of this Sabbath teaching. Don't be afraid to hear what does say. This is where you get your power from. Mr. Engineer, put it up on the screen so they can see that verse. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. Say, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it will be sin. In other words, God is saying on the seventh year, which is the year of release, it's the Sabbath year, my brothers. Yeah, you were supposed to serve, but you're only for seven years. I'm here. Don't let the prime minister down in your island. And don't let the politicians and don't let the spirit of baby doc and papa doc. They got theirs. They don't want to, the prosperity, the miracles and the blessings and the unity and the power and the business sense that's going to come when you realize that the Sabbath is a day to honor God. And you're never going to step back up in the church on Sunday unless for a special day or something. But the Sabbath day is a day to honor God and you're going to do it and you're not going to be afraid of the consequences. Don't let these people work again. Don't let these people keep you poor while they're riding around in fine cars and drinking the best liquor and, and, and eating the best meats and sleeping in the best hotels. These preachers, these prime ministers, these jigaboos that, that served Japheth, you, spoke, you weren't supposed to serve more than seven years. He didn't tell you that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Share this. Put this video up on, on the big screen in your man cave. Put it up in the beauty salons. That means on the seventh, on, on Saturday, you shut that beauty salon down. Shut that barbershop down on Saturday. Shut it down. This is going to bring power. The way the Muslims have become over there in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, United Arab, Kuwait, all that oil. Nobody knew they had it. 
But they Sabbath keepers. They are Sabbath keepers. And God bless them. I tell you, you can find oil in Haiti now. That's right. You can find oil in Nevis. You can find oil in St. Kitts. You can find well. You can find gold in them hills. You can find gold deep inside the hills of the mountains of Haiti. Gold. I'm talking gold like you ain't never seen before. If you keep the Sabbath. If you keep the Sabbath. Japheth used it to put you in slavery. But God is using, Japheth, and Japheth used the scripture to put you in slavery, but I'm using the Sabbath to set you free. I'm James Every Manning, everybody. Make sure you get this word out to everybody. Don't be afraid. God will be with you. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Time is drawing nigh. The end is at hand. This is your day. This is the day where you no longer shall be slaves. You no longer shall be servants. You no longer shall be detailed. You no longer shall be oppressed. No longer you shall be set free by the Sabbath day. Get up. Get up. Let's get up now and become mighty men on this earth. I'm James Evan Manning. I'm the Lord's servant. Lord. That's what God said. That's what God said. That's what God said. In the process of your giving, don't, don't, you know, Mickey Ficky the Lord by saying you don't have it to give. You have it. It's a matter of priority. You know, if you change some things around, you know, Mother Cooper only gets $700 a month. She lives alone in the city projects by herself, doesn't have any other job or income. And yet she gives $70 a month to the church and she takes the bus and she gets a senior citizen card for that to come to the church and worship, get her clothes clean. It's a matter of priority. The Bible says that Jesus was standing in the vestibule of the synagogue one day and a bunch of wealthy people came in. They were just throwing money down the, into the offering basket. Um, and then this, this widow came in. Now in the Jewish tradition, the widow was a person who could not own property. Uh, she could not work as women. Uh, and if her husband wasn't, well, she's a widow, so she doesn't have a husband. If she doesn't have sons or nephews to take care of her, then she's out. And she came into the temple that day to worship like everybody else, and all she had was two mice to her name. And after that, there was nothing left. She gave all that to the Lord and forever been remembered by Jesus as the woman who gave the two mites. Bible tells us that in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 that Elijah went to a woman's house, a widow's house, and Zarephath, she wasn't even a Jew, and he told that widow to feed me. All she had in her barrel was a little meal and her cruise, a little oil, and she'd go cook it and die because the famine had been sore. But the prophet Elijah said, make a cake for me first, and well, she obeyed. She could have said, I don't have it. I, this is just for me and my son. And she could have eaten it and died. But she gave to the prophet Elijah and they ate and ate and the barrel never ran out and the meal oil never ran dry. All right, everybody, we are continuing the Manning Report. I'm here, the quintessential American James David Righteous Rebel Manning and the incredible Sabbath of Rachel LaFleur will be reuniting with us soon as we get through this period that's most critical uh, as the spirit of God, the cloud of glory is moving. Now, there are a couple of things that we need to 
point out right away uh, to we have sent out several tweets. We pray that you uh, follow us on Twitter or and uh, wherever else our tweets are read. Uh, I, I posted up recently that uh, the reason why America has so many guns, prisons, drug problems, and racist institutions and politicians is quite simple. And America has more of them than any other nation on planet Earth. The reason being is that America has not been able to make peace with her former slaves. And so the way that America deals with the, the, her former slaves uh, and, and the problem of having so many of them is that everybody gets a gun. Were there America, if you can envision America having developed without the use of slave labor, if you can envision that, then you will envision an America that would have developed without the runaway rapid amount of guns that Americans possess. Now, there are a couple of things. One is I'm not making any excuses, not trying to hide anything or run away from anything. Uh, number one is that I'm not here uh, to rail against the Second Amendment or the possession of guns. I'm telling you why people have them. I'm not here against the Second Amendment or the possession of guns. Nor am I here to regurgitate or to crybaby about slavery. I'm just here with the facts. And I'm trying to help you get enlightened to something that you will not hear uh, any major politician come out and say because one of the reasons is because you will jump to a conclusion that they are preaching a racial hatred or they're anti-gun, and so they're not going to say this, so you're only going to hear, hear this truth of all the 7 billion people on planet Earth. You're only going to hear it from me. Well, let's start over again. The reason why America is the number one gun ownership country on the planet is because guns are a form of dealing with former slaves. The reason why America has the largest prison population on planet Earth is because America has the largest form of slave population on planet Earth. The reason why America has the largest crime rate on planet Earth is because America has the largest form of slaves of any continent or people on planet Earth. The reason why America has the largest racist institutions, whether they be schools or businesses or banking or housing or communities or neighborhoods, the reason why America has, has more of them than any other nation is because uh, America has the largest form of slave population of any place on planet Earth. And of course, finally, the reason why America has, has the largest uh, racist, number of racist politicians and politicians that run on race and race along every race in America, especially presidential race, is always about racial politics. The reason being is because America has the largest former slave population. And the issue here at hand to be looked at is that America has not been able to make peace with her former slaves over the past uh, 400 years and, and 150 years in particular, America has not been able to make peace. Let me just give you some numbers so you can be aware of these as we pull them from the people that are credible in putting up these stats uh, for the world. The world prison population, the number one nation with the largest world prison population is America, United States of America. 
has 2,145,100 people in prison. China has 1,646,000. Though China is five times the size of America, it has uh, half, uh, three quarters the amount of people in prison. The reason why, though China has a larger prison population and a much more oppressive political population and situation, they don't have the kind of prison incarcer incarceration because they don't have a former retinue of slaves that they have to deal with on an annual basis that they have not been able to make peace with. The Russian Federation is the second largest prison population. Now, uh, the, the other thing is the, the world's largest crime rate, uh, who has more crime than any other nation on the planet. Of course, again, America comes in number one. And again, the reason why America comes in number one as the world's largest prison population, uh, world's largest crime, uh, of course, is because America is, has not been able to make peace nor deal with nor come anywhere near uh, integrating its former slaves into its mainstream lifestyle. No matter what you've seen or heard, the, the, the numbers don't lie. The facts don't lie. America has not solved it because if she did, she would solve the crime. She solved the guns. She'd solve the prison population. So let's be clear about that. Just uh, as a note, side note, India has the second largest uh, world crime rate. Uh, though India has three times the population uh, that America has, but it has less crime than does America. And world gun ownership, uh, America has the largest world gun ownership of any other nation, including Yemen, Switzerland, Finland, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, <laughs> Uruguay. Uh, America is way out ahead of everybody else. More Americans own guns per capita than any other nation on planet Earth. Why? Protection against the former slaves and former slaves protection or means of life uh, or ways of life as there has not been peace uh, made between the former slaves and the former slave owners in America. And we've had 150 years to deal with it, 400 years in total. The world's largest police shootings, um, the, uh, the United States has the largest amount of police shootings uh, per capita, uh, over 1,000 shootings by police per year. South Africa comes in at a third of that, even with the apartheid regime, only 336 shootings in, uh, in South Africa. Uh, and Germany has only 33, England only three. And Norway has none. So America has over 1,000 police shootings, nearly 1,100 police shootings last year. Uh, and on an annual basis, right around that. Why? Because America has not been able to make peace with its uh, former slaves. Now, no matter what people tell you, no matter what you see about entertainers and movie stars, whether they're Hamite and basketball players and uh, Floyd Merriweather and the Shaq earning millions of dollars and politicians and black politicians and black presidents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, affirmative action. All of that is nothing but a lie from the devil. It's not even a facade. Because when you look at the heart of the issue, it is have those have the civil rights have the promotion of, of black basketball stars integration Jackie Robinson into the major leagues or where they got Kareem Abdul Jabbar playing in the basketball where 
these we've got black politician with Edward Brooke, senator from Massachusetts, and on and on and on. These have not, in fact, the problems of crime and drugs and guns and racist inst institutions and racist politicians, they, these problems have, have, have grown as a result of decrees. So, I mean, if you're going to be honest about this, and you ought to because the life you save, the honest life that you're honest with may, and you save may very well be your own. If you're going to be honest with that, you'll have to look and say, all these things that we see as a facade or when the dressing, blacks in politics, or and Hamites is the word we need to use here. I've used this because the stats come up uh, from the old language, either African-American or black or Negro. But the appropriate term is Hamite and Japheth when it comes to America and Shem as far as the Jew is concerned. If you're going to be honest and if you're genuinely interested in solving the problem, don't, say, don't talk about how many Hamites play in the National Football League and how much they earn. It doesn't stop the police shootings in the street. It doesn't stop the shootings, over a thousand police shootings per year. That's more than it was before Jackie Robinson integrated into the, 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 the National Bat Baseball League. So if you're going to be honest, and we have to be, and if people are going to be honest because I'm here with the truth, none of these things have assuaged or dealt with or made peace. America has a problem with its former slaves. And the reason why America is leading in every demographic, whether it be guns, prisons, crime, drugs, poverty, racist politicians, racist politics, is because America has not discovered how to deal or make peace with her former slaves. We're living in two different worlds. The world of the former slave and the world of the former slave owner. Well, you know, there are, I'm sure there are many gun enthusiasts, people who just like to have guns there. There are people who are old car enthusiasts, like to own old automobiles, Jay Leno. But then there are a whole lot of other people are armed to the teeth because they know that that former slave is out there. They know that he's out there. They know that there has not been peace. They know that what, no matter what has been said about all the marches and civil rights and affirmative action and equality program, they know that there is war, continual war, between the former slave and the former slave owner. That's why they live in different neighborhoods. And they protect their neighborhoods with a plethora of guns. That's why there's so many guns. Now, as I said, not the only reason why, but certainly it's 90% of the reason why. Why are there so many police shootings? Because there has not been peace. Why are there no police shootings in Norway? It's because they've never had any slaves. No police shooting in Switzerland. And even though Australia is a prison state, or everybody went there years ago were prisoners, they don't have any shootings there because there was never any form of slaves. And until we are ready to a, a, admit this in the highest forms of government and institutions, that America has not made peace with our former slaves. America has not been able to integrate. There has not been a bringing together. There has not been a one unity. There's not been oneness. And in fact, it's getting worse. As a result of that, every race for the political, for the president of America is based on Hamite or Japheth. 
And until we are able to, until America is able to stand up, raise her hand, especially Japheth, and say, we got a problem with our former slaves that we cannot solve. As a result of it, our police are shooting young men in the street. They're shooting more than anybody else. We got more pe people in prison than China, which doesn't make sense. We got a greater drug problem. We got more racist institutions. Uh, and America needs to stand up and say that we don't know what the hell to do with the fact that we brought these people here and worked them for 400 years as slaves, and now we got a problem in our nation that we cannot solve. They're going to have to say it. They're going to have to say it. And they're going to have to realize that promoting a few Negroes, Hamites is who they are, by promoting a few Negroes, especially half-baked Negroes like Obama and pinch-nosed Negroes like Michael Eric Dyson or Van Jones, by promoting a few Negroes does not help the Hamite slave problem. Listen to me. When you pro promote a Negro like Van Jones or Michael Eric Dyson or a whole bunch of others of them out there that, that have a visibility uh, in, in, either in media or in education or in the movies, Denzel Washington. When you promote these Negroes, you need to know it doesn't trickle down. It just gives you a mascot to show to the world, but the shootings increase. The poverty entrenches and gets deeper. The prison population gets thicker and larger. Promoting Van Jones and promoting pinch-nosed Negroes, going to Harvard, getting a Harvard education and talking like they're white with their pinched nose does not stop the police shooting. And it's time that we stop and we sat down and we said that we, we got a problem, America. Houston, we got a problem with our former slaves. Well, they got a problem with their former slaves. We don't know how to solve it. We don't know how to solve this problem. And nothing we've done over the past 150 years has brought the races together. In fact, we're further, we can't even live together in the same neighborhoods. And I'll tell you this, no matter what you do or say, I'll tell you this, the main problem while there are many problems on both sides, if you will, in terms of entrenched racism, hatred, and fear, and inferiority, one of the major issues, the way to stem the flow is to stop promoting pinch-nosed Negroes like Van Jones and Michael Eric Dyson, whoever he is. Because people go into some illusion, oh, you got Van Jones on CNN or Don Lemon on CNN. That might means that Negroes are doing better. Hell no. Stop it. Get them all off. Kick them all out. Get them out of Harvard. Don't let them go in. Let them all work together. Let them be as one. Stop separating and promoting these mascot Negroes, these pensioners Negroes. That's number one. Now you got a whole lot of things you have to do over there on the Japheth side as well. As, as far as dealing with the Japheth brother who's got a deep sense of inferiority running all up and down his spine. You got to deal with it, and it's got to be said. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Why does America have the world's greatest over a thousand police shootings a year? The largest prison population, the largest crime rate, 
the largest gun ownership, yet it's the smallest nation. The largest drug use, yet it's the smallest nation. It has the biggest economy, but it also has the biggest problem. America needs to stand up. Japheth and Shem in particular need to stand up and admit that we don't know what to do after 150 years of dealing with the problem of bringing Africans over here as slaves have backfired. The same people that built this nation does, is the same and the are the same people that are tearing it down. We need, they need to stand up and confess that they don't know what to do. And all of the things that they've tried, especially at promoting pinch-nosed Negroes, has failed. It need to be brought out in the open. Stop sending these men to prison. Stop police shootings in the street. Stop these welfare programs. Stop these racist politicians, these gerrymandering and running everything on coded language into political races based on race. Admit it. At, at least admit you got a problem and that you don't know how to solve. And none of the people that have come or marched or spoke or led or written or been elected so far have failed, and you need to admit it, failed civil rights. Fail black president, fail black politicians, fail black movie stars, fail black athletes, fail, 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 fail. And don't be ashamed to say they fail. I don't care how what popularity, heights of popularity they reached during their heyday, it has failed and failed miserably. So now what we're gonna do? I tell you what you're gonna do. You're going to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. You're not going to pay any attention to what I've said until America burns like Rome did. And when she's burned and consumed from end to end, and there'll be neither former slave nor slave owner who can claim anything. And God will walk through Jerusalem. And God will say, because you refuse to hear my servant James David Manning, now reap the whirlwind. Because you're not going to listen. You're not going to stop promoting pinch-nosed Negroes. You're not going to stop promoting racist politicians across the South and the North-South. You're not going to stop making money through prison population and prison warehousing and drugs and selling guns. And you're not going to let anybody come near the Second Amendment. And you're not going to ever admit the reason why you got so many guns is that you want to be able to shoot every one of them when they come up on your lawn. Until we tell the truth. And until the Bible says, Jesus said this, and the, said you got these New Testament freaks don't believe the Old Testament. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And until we admit the truth that America brought these Africans here, and they built America, now that they're no longer down on the plantation, the whole thing is falling apart. It is backfiring. And all the other nations are looking at America. It's crime. It's guns. It's racism. They don't have anywhere near the kind of problems because they don't have any former slaves that they have to contend with. So stand up and speak the truth, the whole truth. And then God perhaps will set you free. But unfortunately, you're not going to do that. 
At any rate, I will. I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord's servant. Outlaw. That's what God said. That's what God said. That's what God My friends, I want to appeal to you to be a part of the support, the financial and loving and prayerful support of the Outlaw Church, its school, its breakfast feeding program to children, its homeless shelter, its soup kitchen, its ministry of the Manning Report and Pulpit of Power. I want to ask you to, first of all, open up your heart uh, and to pray for us. That's the first thing. Before you open your purse, open your heart uh, and, and, and pray for us. And if you open your heart, uh, God will show you the work that we do. We need your financial and prayerful support. Uh, shortly, we're going to be talking about a woman named Mother Cooper who gives to the church. And someone reported, uh, have said to me over the years I've been a pastor, that I suppose there's times when people don't have anything to give. That's a lie. Everybody's got something to give. Jesus gave the example of the widow who walked into the synagogue one day, and she only had two mites, and she was a widow and had no further income, no place of getting anything, and she gave what she had to the church. No, everybody's got something to give. A lot of people say, when they say we don't have anything to give, they really what they're doing is that they're saying you're not a priority. We're going to go and we're going to go out to Golden Corral. We're going to go out and do some things with our grandchildren and our children, but we ain't going to give to you. That's low priority. We'll, we, don't have anything, <clears throat> we don't have anything to give to you. But I want to ask those of you who will listen, because I want to swat away the people that get online and try to contradict what we say. They, 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 they have it to give. They just don't want to give it. They don't have it to give here. And I understand that. But we need two RVs, recreation vehicles. We need one uh, for our expanded classrooms for our high school students. Uh, and that can be used for field trips and can be used for science fairs and a number of other things traveling around New York City, New Jersey, and Connecticut during the process of education, also visiting college campuses and going on day trips and outings for our high school and our elementary students and RV. Uh, we need that for our continued education travels. And uh, so we're praying that someone will donate an RV to us for that purpose. And then, of course, we need a second RV to keep parked at our church, on our premises, uh, that we can pretty much strip down. Uh, and we'll take an older one for this purpose that can be stripped down and made into a science lab. At present, we don't have a science lab in our building. Uh, city state will not permit it because you got to have, you know, Bunsen burners and a whole lot of chemistries and chemicals and that kinds of a thing. And so we would like to convert an RV into a science lab where we can do scientific research. So we need to. Uh, and so we're asking, is there a heart out there of people who will give that maybe you have one, you're not using it anymore, and you want to donate it to the church? And of course, we'll give you a tax write-off for the purpose of process of doing that. Um, and we're asking you to do not let the naysayers, don't let people talk about, well, I would give to him, but he wears a fancy suit. What do you want me to do, come before you naked? And besides, you know, many times it's not the suit that looks good, and you might get a little offended by it, but the man makes the suit look good. I've seen a lot of people put on fancy suit, and they look like a, they just called, called out of a, a dog shelter. But that having been said, don't look at the outward appearance of me. Look at my heart. 
Look at my heart. If you look at my heart, you will see that my heart is in the right place. I got a lot of children I'm responsible for. I feed them every morning. You know, we fed over one million meals. That's the absolute truth. I'm not exaggerating. We have fed over one million meals, and our meals are not ready-to-eat meals prepared by the city of New York, frozen and warmed over in some sort of uh, convection oven or what microwave, and we throw them at people. No, these are meals that are made from scratch. Our waffles are made from scratch. Our eggs are made from scratch. Our grits are made from scratch. Our, everything we do is made from scratch. Over one million meals. No, we do a great work here in the community. And then finally, those of you who understand, you know, set aside. Don't, don't, don't deprioritize this ministry because you could give something. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're spending a lot of things that you really don't have to spend. You're probably, you know, buying things even at restaurants that you don't have to buy and you Maybe you're purchasing things that you're only going to use or wear once. And you could, no, you could give and you could tithe. And by doing that, you're going to be increased and blessed. So don't let the naysayers that come online and say something negative about this ministry. We're doing a great work for the Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus. And it costs a lot to keep the lights and the cameras rolling in the computer. You know, we're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week we're running. And most of the time it's live. This does not come cheap. And you know it doesn't. So go ahead now. And then we're going to talk to you more about giving. But two RVs we need. The biggest ones you can get for the process of our schools. And then of course we need to be able to continue to keep those meals going down in the breakfast program where we're feeding all those beautiful but hungry children. All right, I'm James Ibbett Manning. I'm the Lord's servant and you know how to give. Go to our website and join our ministry uh, and do, bring your tithes and your offerings. I tell you what, do seven weeks of tithes and see if you are not better increased. If God doesn't restore unto you seven times what you have given in tithes and offering, if that way you're not to listen to me anymore, if God does not restore to you seven times what you tithed to the ministry or given to the ministry after seven weeks of giving faithfully without fail, without cheating, without lying, and with a cheerful heart, you do those things. And if, if God doesn't restore, if God doesn't keep his honor, his word by opening up the windows of the uh, his windows of his storehouse and pouring you out a blessing so much so that you won't have room enough to receive it. You don't have to ever have to listen to me anymore. You don't ever have to deal with me anymore because everything else I would say would be a lie. Now go ahead and start. Join the ministry. Tithe. Do it and watch God bless. We are opening up the doors of restoration and salvation, uh, restoration and restoration in general to people who have been estranged from our ministry for a while. Either you walked out or you were asked to leave or you would excommunicated or, or whatever may be the, per, the reason why we, I was once your pastor and now I am not. And through the mercy of Almighty God, we are now during this Holy Week season, uh, we're given an, ex an, an invitation worldwide, locally and worldwide. If you wish to be restored to the ministry, uh, then make that application known. Either do it if you're online and can't get and sit in the audience, then do it online. Or if you you're, are local and you want to come and sit and, and, and do it, in the sanctuary, but while this is not certainly a, 
uh, a mean-spirited thing. It is simply to separate people that are trolls because we've got a lot of people that troll us who will just, you know, jerk us around by saying one thing online, but they really don't mean it because they're not really not interested in the ministry at all. And, and, and then, of course, there will be those who don't believe that their separation or excommunication from the ministry was right or just, so they don't feel that they have any need to adjust men. So when they come back, they'll come back with the same spirit. So we're, we're, we're asking you to repent of the, ring, of the wrong that you've done, to do it truthfully and honestly, and, and that we will receive you through the process of repentance. You know, John the Baptizer told the Pharisees to bring fruits, meat for repentance. And when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, or Zacchaeus' house, if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, you know how you say it, uh, and, and Zacchaeus repented and said, I'm going to give uh, uh, half of my goods to anybody I've taken from, and on and on and on. I think something on that order that he went. So it would be required that you repent because you just can't walk back in and, and say that we were wrong and that you were right. Then that's going to create more trouble for everybody. You get the idea. But the main thing here is that the door is open and we're going to keep the door open until the resurrection service on this coming Sunday. You refer to it as Easter. It'll make a junkie say Jesus is Lord. I got a word in my mouth. I got a word.